Now entering Nerdist.com. You made it with, you made it with, you made it with. What's up, weirdos? It's uh, it's it's me, Pete, uh, the host, and uh, this is a weird time for me to be uh, recording an intro because it's uh, let's see, it is four twenty. Oh yeah, four twenty, blaze it up. Sorry, unrelated. It is four twenty, and I and I am in Austin, Texas, and I'm about to tape my hour at seven p.m. tonight. So I'm going to try an excito nap. You know, when you nap but you're excited, I'm about to enter into the state of excito nap. Uh, so before I do that, I have to send Katie, the long-suffering Katie, uh, this intro so we can get this off. This is Baron Vaughn, a great episode. I know that I say that a lot, but these, these have been – we've been on a good little run here of kind of like weird in a new way kind of episodes. And this episode is a little bit like uh, the Middle Ditch episode in that Baron and I, uh, as, as some of you know from listening to the Mulaney episode, Baron and I used to share an office and then we didn't anymore. So we've kind of had some bumps in our friendship, and we talk about them in like an open and fun way, and in, in, in a funny way, and, and in a weird way. So, and in a weird way. So please enjoy. Please enjoy. I don't have to plug the hour anymore. All the weirdos that are going to be there are going to be there, and I'd like to thank them in advance for being there. And we have uh, new tour dates coming up. Uh, they're all on PeteHolmes.com. We got a live You Made It Weird November 8th at the Gramercy Theater in New York City. Then we got Nashville, Atlanta, Boston, San Francisco. That's a live You Made It Weird on December 3rd at Cobbs with Kyle Kinane. He's one of the guests. The rest are secrets. Portland, Oregon, Philly, PA, New York, New York, all on PeteHolmes.com. And we're adding, uh, we're adding some new ones as well. Email the show, weird at nerdist.com, and uh, support the show by going to youmadeitweird.com, buying some shirts, buy weirdos for weirdos, or click on the donate button if you're nasty, which is great, because Katie, uh, she's, she got really into like stacking antique plates in her apartment, because she, I don't know why, she was like, it's like having like these nice uh, columns, it's like a Greek column, but plates, she thought that was fun, and then, you know, she had a few too, I <laughs> had Gandolfini breath. And then she uh, had a few too many uh, Manhattans, and she fell into them. So. She's fine, but if you want to donate, not to mend her, but just to buy more plates. <laughs> that might be the stupidest one ever. Just making them up, guys. It's a free podcast. Yeah, uh, if, uh, if you want to help out, it's not Gameplay. It is Amazon. Amazon is the ad. Go to Nerdist.com. Go to You Made It Weird. Go to this episode. Click on the banner. Then shop for whatever you're going to get on Amazon anyway. And a percentage goes to the show. What a great idea. Do it. Do it. And let when you do it, film it. I don't know why. Baron Vaughn. Get into it. Okay. Oh, nice Ikea coasters. Yeah, please. I would enjoy a delicious beverage of liquid variety. I thought you were going to say libation. Libation? Who am I? Do you ever listen to comedians riff and you're like, you, you start guessing where they might go? It's not... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not in a haunted way, not in like an unfun way, but, but you're just kind of like... Uh... There's only so many... Yeah, I got to turn mine off too. There's only, only so many tricks that we have. So if somebody's going to be like, wouldst thou have an iced variety tea light? He's going to say libation. Libation? Yes, <laughs> exactly. Well, you know what? I, I think that the, I think it, it, it always connects to the, the variety of the comedian. Yes, that's true. Because some people go, their, their instant thing is um, self-deprecation. Some uh-huh, are self-disgust. Uh-huh. Some are, I've read a dictionary. 
Oh no! That tends to be my my failsafe. Is like words. Words are fun. Though. Words and sounds. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I was I was just thinking about a bit this morning. I got out of bed to write it down, and it was just. It's it's about this thing in Austin where they say uh, there's a sign because I'm doing this special, special in Austin, Austin and, right. and I was like oh I have a bit about Austin it's about the sign that I saw that said you know need teeth to eat our beef T E E F I love that place yeah, I love By that place way, too it's a good place that who took me there Chuck Watkins or somebody a lot of good no teeth necessary beef yeah. places in Austin and then I realized I just had this real like kind of outside of myself experience where I was like oh I'm doing what I do which is the bit that Pete would do about that sign is. Finally, uh, a market like a place that markets to the guys that don't have teeth that need beef. You know what I mean? And like, and a guy walking right, right. around, and then I'm going to do an act out where I'm like, I really want beef, but I know have teeth. I know have teeth. And then, and then, and then the third part of it, the third beat of it that I was thinking, I was, like, but the the prices are definitely for people who have teeth. Did you say? <laughs> Which, which of course is the, that's that's hilarious. Nobody, if the beef ain't free, people with no teeth aren't eating it. I think it's fine to start with that joke. Do you know On why? The special. Do you know why? Tell me why. Because it reveals the DNA of what you do. Well, that isn't that what I was kind of saying. That's yeah. what you said. You said you Pete Holmes did right yeah, in yeah, sort yeah. of a way that because yeah. I think every comedian kind of has. You have your automatic way of thinking of right. things. And we know that by watching each other. We know that by watching each other, but a lot of comedians don't know it about themselves right. a lot of the time. I feel like if Baron Vaughn did that, and Uh-oh. this is not me I'm trying to... I'm already scared. To... Uh... Is there beatboxing in that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my Jesus. Beatboxing or old blues musician Here, voice? Let me, let, let me, let me include uh, Bronger, too, is mm-hmm. in this style. I feel like both you and he would do a commercial for the beef. You'd be like, no need teeth to eat our beef. Beef teefers. Yeah, yeah. Beef teefers. The bit would now be called beef teefers, and you would give it a little jazz. I, where, where, but Bronger, so would Bronger. I want to make sure. Bronger grew up in Portland, right? Yeah, I believe so. And you're from Massachusetts. That's right. I, you know what it is? I feel like that, that as you know, my, as you maybe, maybe do or don't know, my, my first album, my only album, is called Raised by Cable. Yes, I do. But the entire point of that is I grew up watching so much television. Yes. And I did that more than life. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I watched recreations of life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, like, the, the phenomenon of the local commercial yes. and the local commercial jingle yeah. is just so etched in my brain. Uh-huh. That a lot of the times that's where I would that's definitely where I would go. But don't need beef to eat, or don't you need don't need teeth. No, no need teeth to, to eat, eat all beef. beef. Ooh, you've harmonized. <laughs> Do you have no teeth? Ah, hi. Do you like beef? Hi, hi. I'm Jeremy <laughs> Teeth Beef. <laughs> With a name like Teeth Beef, I was destined to make a restaurant that caters to the teethless people. The teethless people, but uh, beefful. Ah, uh, we're beefful. The teethless people gotta be beefful. <laughs> oh my Jesus! The nope, just Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> the I know. T-flip. Free podcast. <laughs> this is a free show. You know that? There's no like, you got to pay 99 cents. You heard the teethless people need to be beefful. Yeah. Unbelievable. <laughs> Sensational. Unbeefable? Unbeefable. That's, that's where I go too far. That's before, where I go too far. Before our restaurant existed, if you didn't have teeth, it was unbeefable. <laughs> you were unbeefable. <laughs> <laughs> but now you can be beefable. See, that's a Baron Vaughn thing. But like, think hmm. about it. Like, we got like uh, Kumail. You know what I mean? You, you Kumail could... would have no need teeth to eat our beef. This is who. We're How is there a situation? Yeah. 
<laughs> Incredulous. Incredulous. How, like, how is there a place? There's a place that you How are you a- supposed to eat the beef if you have no teeth? You just gum the beef? Or just gumming you just gum beef? It. Just gumming beef. I'm from Pakistan. Why is my, beef? My, my Kumail sounds like Sofia Vergara. I know. From uh, Modern Family. <laughs> <laughs> That's what my Kumail I sounds like. I would teeth like. her beef. Uh-oh. I would definitely teeth her beef. That's, she's had her beef teethed? <laughs> she definitely has. There's no, there's no need to laugh she like a your, no, villain like that. I was laughing, <laughs> but I'm enjoying and celebrating. Okay, but then there's Kyle. Kyle. Oh, you gotta have. Oh, have you had the beef? Yeah, finally. I keep thinking of my own premise. It's hard to get out of my head with the the finally oh, place. Yeah, exactly. Kyle would be like. Because we've all been there. We've all been 2 there. 2 a.m. full of Jaeger looking for a place to eat some beef. You had a Jaeger. You fell over a, a, a curb. <laughs> and now you ain't got no teeth. Then you got no teeth. Where are you going to get your beef? God damn it, Kyle. You got a place to eat some beef. <laughs> and that's where I met no beef, Eddie. And then, like, he'd have some real story. And you're like, Kyle, are you okay? <laughs> Impersonations of our friends. Why is that not a show already? Tignataro. Tignataro. No need beef. There's- no, you do. We both we both went down to yeah, like yeah. A, like a very much like and there's a lot of looking at the audience. I in saw between. a sign that said "No need teeth." If I could do take, I'd be much better. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> exactly, it's, it's one of those unim- unimitable. You Who know is what I'm it saying. that? Uh, oh, you know what? In the Aristocrats. Yep. Remember the documentary? Yep. The Aristocrats the, of that thing we never do. That thing we never do. Um, all comedians all, tell the Aristocrats. Well, joke. that's the comedians of a different generation. I don't even know if they do it. I, maybe maybe not anymore, but. Um, Gilbert Godfrey blew it up, but there's yeah. a history to it yeah. still. So even if it's an antiquated thing, there's still a purpose to the documentary. Okay, sure. So, <laughs> Paul Bravenza's no, lawyer, but, everybody. <laughs> but there's a point where Kevin, I think it's Kevin Pollack. No, uh-huh. not Kevin Pollack. Yeah, Kevin Pollack. Yeah, sure. Does impersonations of different comedians telling you? Oh, brilliant! And there's one where he does Albert Brooks. Okay, and he does he does, he does it, it, and it's hilarious. Well. And he says, "I can't be as funny as." My yeah. my impersonation of Albert Brooks yes. is funnier than I actually am. Yeah, yeah. That, uh, when I do Hannibal, oh. I catch myself being funnier oh, than I would Everybody walking around with no teeth. Yeah, yeah. People say you've got to have teeth to yeah, eat beef. Teeth, I say, teeth, Hannibal, teeth. relax. You don't need no teeth to eat our beef. Come in and do, gum up some beef. You don't need teeth. Why don't you come in because you're a man? Yeah, I'm a goddamn man. I eat all the beef I want, even though I got, ain't got no teeth. Even I got no teeth. They kicked me out of school for not having teeth, but who's laughing now? I'm eating beef. <laughs> right? That's it's exactly like, it's it. like putting on a mask, yeah. and then you're suddenly liberated to be funny it, Aziz, in the way they are. Aziz. Oh, oh, Whoa. oh shit! You don't need no tape. <laughs> you don't need no tape. <laughs> no idea what that voice. Ah, uh, you should. Uh, this should be a TV show because we moved. We both had to move he, to do I Aziz. I said Aziz, not Chris Tucker. Ah, very, very similar, and it's my <laughs> Chappelle too. Now they tape. Yeah, suddenly got beef. Oh, um, that's not a bad Chappelle, actually. Damn. Surprisingly. Thank you. I'm, I'm oh. actually surprised. Is it because it's a black man? Uh, yes, it's Jerry Blackman. <laughs> <laughs> or is it because every impression... Connecticut Blackmans. Uh, well, actually, no, you like my Hannibal, and that was a black man. The ha- yeah, the Hannibal, but yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know why I made it racial. Play the theme song. <laughs> Can I say I completely understand what you're saying growing up with TV? I, I, yeah. I wasn't necessarily raised by cable, but like the Cosby show and uh, Full House and all those things, 
I, it's disturb and say by the bell. Say by the bell is where it started. Yeah, that's how I learned how to be cool. That's why I'm not. cool. You learned how to be cool from that's Zach Morris, where I thought I was learning how to be cool. That makes a lot of sense. Like I, I used to be like, you gotta always have a zinger ready. Like no, no concept that like there were writers writing their lines. The I was zinger. Like, Zach is a is a champ. But that that appeals to I think I. You know what? When I was young, young. Because I loved Doug when the Nicktoons started. I love Doug too. And Doug, and Doug was Mayonnaise. not the most popular of those three. Was was it Rugrats? Doug and uh, Ren and Stimpy. Yeah, right? you're right. Ren and Stimpy was too. Always felt too insane to me. It is insane. And it's like, look at my booger. But I think that those three cartoons really <laughs> appeal to. I think you can tell a lot about a comedian by which one. Which three. one they write? Because Eric Andre which one they like loves Ren and, Ren and Stimpy. Stimpy. He never shuts up. I'm about bleeding out my ass. It's like it makes no sense. But Doug was like this quiet kind of yeah. Woody Allen esque. He dresses like you. <laughs> I don't. I don't wear. I don't wear the sweater vests. You know what? I wouldn't. That's probably where I got sweater vests from. Was from, from Doug. Doug. Was from Doug. Uh, I wanted to bleach my hair, and I'm still dressed somewhat like Zach Morris. I have some sneakers that he definitely wore on the show. Well, but the, the the point, I guess, you that I could say that I'm trying to make is that. Um, <laughs> It appeals because when I was younger, I tried to write a, I tried to write a, uh, a comic strip. Uh-huh. I had no skill at, br- at drawing at all, but I, I, it was called Mikey, and it was just this kid that didn't care what anyone thought of him. Oh. But it wasn't like I don't give a shit. It was just he was good at what he did and uh-huh. who he was, and uh-huh. he was secure yeah. with himself. And kids would be like, and I remember one one was like, oh, here comes Mikey. Mikey, there's, there's kids on the basketball court, <laughs> and I think I honestly wrote it. After embarrassing myself playing basketball, and then you went home and redeemed I, it. I went home and wrote it in a comic strip that no one ever has ever seen, like a fantasy strip. A fantasy strip, and these kids were like, they were playing basketball, and then Mikey shows up, right? Yep. And this is third grade, third grade, fourth grade, and mm. they're like, "Oh, Mikey doesn't know what the heck he's doing." They throw him the ball, and he freaking jumps from the half court Ugh. and dunks it, and then walks away like nothing happened. And it's like, oh. That's the end of it. That's so. Good. But I think that it, it, you're Zach Morrissey. I think maybe it appeals to yeah. what you felt was lacking. Of oh yeah, 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 absolutely. I wanted you to always wanted it. to have a zinger. 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 Zach was dunking from the half court all the time. The real version was, what did you do? Someone passed you the ball and you missed, or something? Some sort of childish humiliation. I just, um, I was thinking too much on the court. Yeah, you know what I mean. I mean, doing bits, doing bits. Yeah, no, I, I just like, well, thinking what's, what's going to happen right here? You're going to shoulder check me. Yeah, I'm going to fall to the ground. You're going to call traveling. Well, that's one of the reasons why I could never really play sports, other than lack of complete physical ability, complete mm-hmm. lack. Is that I was always kind of like, what are we going to do? We're going to we're going to score some points. Well, then what are we going to do? One of you guys is the winner. Then what are you going to you're going to high five and then we feel bad and you feel good or we feel good and you feel bad. What what is the point? Let's just skip to the ice cream. Let's just skip. To the ice cream. Skip to the ice cream. Everyone I always wins. skip to the feeling bad. Yeah, yeah. I, always skip to the, oh, I guess I lost again, but you didn't even play. Yeah. I know. Well, you know what's weird about uh, Mikey, your comic strip? First of all, I love that. One of my favorite improv games that we had when I was an improviser, you know, I still, you know, on an improv team. Yes. In college. Actively we, an improviser. Actively improvising in on an improv team mm-hmm. under the guise, the, the poster said improv, not Pete Holmes. It was like, come see improv. <laughs> Okay. I would, would come on stage and have someone come up on uh, stage, would invite someone on stage and be like, do you have an embarrassing story? And they would be like, yes, I worked construction and my pants got caught in this blah, 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 blah. I don't know what they're called. Right. Ripped them off. I wasn't wearing underwear. I had a blowtorch. I lit my pubes on fire. And the girl that I had a crush on walked by and was like, ha, ha, and then blew the fucking contractor or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just like, but like real. In front of me pointing. Yeah, yeah. Going, this could going, be your dick. Pen- yes, but instead you have that pencil. <laughs> number two pencil. More like number one. Right, anyway. <laughs> That's a good term for uh, anal sex. I gave her my number two pencil. <laughs> 
gave her the number two pencil. You know what I'm saying? Filled out the scan trunk. <laughs> Let's just say you the sex I mean? quiz would scan on a scan trunk. Didn't have any notes. <laughs> the guy who's the worst in implying he had anal sex last night. Well, let's just say we didn't have any notes. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Sharpen the pencil. You know what I'm going to Let's just say I shined the shoe. <laughs> let's just say Derek Jeter was playing. I can't believe I thought of a guy who's number two. Oh, my God. Isn't he? Really? I believe he is. I have no idea. Katie? Research? Research? He's a single digit. Research. Oh, I feel so stupid. I'm at the side I, of that. I, I just realized I'm at the side of the microphone. Let me do this. I sound you, much fuller right now. I already feel wrong. I can he- already hear the bass of my voice. I'm right. He's number two. He's number two. Half court. Swish. And pretty much anyone who is not a Yankees fan thinks he's number two as well. Get it? Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. No need teeth. <laughs> I, was, I was eating barbecue with Kanye, and he didn't have no teeth. Kanye. <laughs> oh my god. Jay Z so smooth he doesn't need tape for me. Uh, anyway, um okay. what were you saying? What was I saying? Exactly. No, where were we? We were talking oh, and then so they they we he tells us the sad story. Right. The story. And then we reenact it the way it happened. Right, is that the life game or something like that? I don't know what it was. It's just called. an improv game, but yeah, like it, but this was for a crowd. It was a on show night. Is it in Chicago? This was at college. Where'd you go to school? Uh Gordon College. Where the hell's that? Yep. <laughs> no one has heard of it, and no one uh, needs to have heard of it. Here's a here's a joke from my uh, my black exploitation movie. And by the fans. way, is that near Gordon Park? No, I okay. want to get it anybody, so bad. Anybody who likes the movie Shaft will be with me on that. I want to anyway, get continue. it so bad. Shaft. Let's just say she watched her mouth. Let- You're, are you saying you had anal sex? <laughs> okay, God, God help us. Uh, so it was Gordon College, right? It was going hard. You're thinking about anal sex again. That's why you. Said I am that. thinking about, it. and I'm also thinking about how every once in a while they'll be like that. Uh, they'll tout that I'm an alumni of that school, and I always want to be like, hey, it really didn't. What did I major in comedy there? I just, I just went there. I'm like, I stayed out of trouble there for four years, and they're like, you know, the E Trade baby went here, and it's like, fucking stop it. <laughs> I, I kind of, I don't like the idea of people being persuaded to go to that school because I went there. Well, I'm not trying to shit on it, but like, come on, make, a, make a, a better choice. They're saying keep your nose down, make no splashes, don't piss anyone off, and one day you'll be the E-Trade, baby. Yeah, exactly. Would you major in communication? <laughs> when I graduated Gordon College, I looked at the in the handbook and it said you're supposed to write a thesis. I looked in the handbook and it was like, to graduate, all English majors need to write a thesis. Mm-hmm. And I was like, maybe no one will mention it. No one ever mentioned it. Really? Just fucking So you were sailed. you were an English major. Yep, and no one else and a communication. No one okay. uh, no one no one I knew wrote a wrote a, wrote a thesis. thesis. So <clears throat> I had to do a performance thesis, but we'll get on that later. Oh, I'll write it right down. Performance, performance perf thesis. So you were saying you were doing the so, game with we'll this guy's And life. then the, my favorite thing, like your strip, Mikey, is uh, is 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 uh, that we had the guy come up, and then we do it the way it actually happened with right. the blowing, and then we do it again the way he wished it had happened. Oh yeah. And then so it's it's very much like your strip, like he just jumps from half court and dunks it and walks away and is cool. It's so simple. the the real The real act out is the way that it happened. Right. And then when you do it again, we're like okay, we're going to do it again. You know his but pants that's usually get shorter, right? And yeah, it's much shorter. Right. It gets ripped off. He doesn't care. Uh, you know, he does a backflip, and everyone's just chanting. The girl comes, and he breaks up with her. Like at that point, all you have to do is go, like, "Sorry, baby, you're not good enough for me." I saw right. you eyeing the contractor's nuts, and then you moonwalk <laughs> off the stage, and everyone's like, "Redemption," <laughs> which is a great feeling. But you were manufacturing your own redemption. Yeah, I think it's funny. I think it's interesting how we can like kind of uh, life hack to use Chris Hardwick's term. Our brain, your brain, wanted to see something happen. Yes, and then you made a comic strip of it happening, and that was a little bit. Of 
what you were looking for. We had to do this thing in uh, theater school. Okay, here we go. <laughs> um, <laughs> I got to pick up my throat before I talk about theater school. In theater school, we had to do this thing our freshman year called the um, the the Bi- Bi- uh, Life River. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, it was in this. There was this technique called Linklater technique, which still exists, and she's a woman who's still alive and teaches theater. But it's all—it's like this vocal kind of mind-body psychophysical technique, psychophysical technique that's mm-hmm. kind of like reflecting your emotions in the usage of your voice and tone, pitch, all that different kind of stuff. So our freshman year, we had to, at the end of I think the I don't know if it was first semester, second semester, or both, had to basically do. The story of our life, and we picked five moments, the five most important moments of our lives from the beginning of them to right now. Actually, the first part was birth. The last part was the day that you were doing this performance. Really? So you had to pick. So you're like 19, 20? Yeah, uh, like like eighteen, nineteen. Okay. So you had to pick all these really important, what you felt were important life moments. <laughs> it would be so great just to be honest, and it's like the first time you jerked off, you're like, Hosanna! And you know what? I wouldn't doubt if someone did that, because yeah. we never knew what anyone else did in any of the class. It was private. It was private? It was, well, no, it was in front of the class. Uh-huh. But, like, we didn't oh, talk like about it outside class of other classes. Privé. Because people did really, like, really intense... Well... Things. Let's break that bond of trust. Like deaths, um, being diagnosed with certain diseases, like all sorts of. All sorts of things that are like really personal mm. that it's like, especially if you've known someone for mm, three months. Yep. It's not the kind of stuff you would bring up. Yep, yep, yep. So. And then you had the structure of like you had to do one was uh, the, the day the day you're doing that show and how you felt the day you were born and you had to like say you had to kind of basically act out coming out of the birth canal. Yeah. You said your name, what you what day you were born, where all this stuff in like an interesting tidbit of the day about the day you were born or right. somebody around right. like your mom or your dad or somebody. Then one was um, a five word poem that was one of these events you had to say five, only five words to describe it. Like that Eddie Murphy movie. Exactly. And then one was that's a thousand words. Yeah. But that's just what but it was a, it was a short life. film before. I almost watched it on a plane. I was like, should I watch this? Pete's going to be curious. <laughs> but I didn't. <laughs> and then the and then one was I can't remember the other one. And the, the the one that was always the most interesting to me, which is probably I've used the most in stand up, mm-hmm. is a day that you felt your voice was silenced. Hmm. Right? And you act out the scene and then you do it again. And oh, say what you wish you oh, had said. Oh Jesus! You just gave me the tingy tingies. Yeah, and it was, and it, and people, <laughs> people picked like re, some people really, really intent, like like fights. You know, people who've been yeah. abused by yes. their families or whoever, yes. and acting out the moment of <sighs> when that happened, Oof. and then saying, "This is what I wish I said." Yeah. So that always goes as like. It, well, Go please. Well, no, just mean, in stand up, I'm always like, well, what, what, what did I wish that I said? Did I actually do what That's, I wanted? What was I thinking instead? It's always knowing the difference between how you act and how you're thinking about acting, right. as opposed to actually doing something. And that, and the, and the stand up is one of the few people who's really kind of given that license, that creative license, to be that way on stage, be exactly. the example of the guy. 
I'm speaking, as my therapist would say, tit to mouth. There's no homogenization. There's no pasteurization. Here's exactly what I'm feeling. Yeah. And as a guy who doesn't do that in my life, well, I'm always filtering and censoring and having mm-hmm. these thoughts. And I'm playing out the fantasy of what if I said that and then I see that – like the, like the basketball game. Right, right. Why score on you? You're going to feel bad and then we eat ice cream. Let's just jump to the ice cream. So I'm very practical in my brain. So I'll avoid confrontation even at the expense of my own truth. Mm-hmm. And then I'll have my voice silenced. And then mm. on stage, I'm a giant King Ralph baby boy. Who only <laughs> who only says what he's That's thinking? Probably John Goodman's best work. <laughs> what if he thinks it's his best work? That's also the only VHS tape I ever uh, lost oh, after renting it. Oh my god! I have no idea what happened to it. What does that mean? I have no idea. Just the the universe ate it. See, I am a weird guy. I think it's weird that Jocelyn was the last podcast, and we're talking about all this acting stuff, and then I bring up King Ralph, and you're like, I have a f- tidbit about. That. I have a tidbit about King Ralph. Yeah. I'm going to try and do John Goodman. You know. <laughs> You know, Big Lebowski was a... Uh... <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Johnny. Like I know him. I'm sorry, Johnny Goods. You know, you're not going to believe this, but uh, my favorite of all my movies is King Ralph. Okay, for the listeners, well, what uh, Pete Holmes is doing is he's grabbing the sides of his cheeks and pulling them out. It's, you can't do it while laughing. To kind of give himself a little bit of a fat man salamander mouth. It's a better Philip Seymour Hoffman, too. Oh, I just want to fuck you so bad. Yes, that's happiness. Yeah, that's perfect. That's ha- ah! That's a perfect happiness. Laser. Yeah. Well done. That's the master. I love the master so, so much. <laughs> Me too, stuff. Oh, good. I love that. I don't know why I'm like, good. I just qualified your feeling. I took Me Too and Me Gusta, which is Spanish for I like it, and I put them together. Can I, I tell? Turn it into Me Too Oh, my God. I didn't even realize That's that. That's a new thing. I'm beefable. I didn't realize I did it until I did it, and then I decided, you know what? It's time for me to say why I did what I did. Yeah. No, I didn't notice. But I liked it very, very much. You know, when it comes to fantasizing mm-hmm. to make ourselves feel better, yep. uh, this is something I think we do all the time. I, I, I have fights in my head a mm. lot. Yes. And, and then that's, it's, a, it's a cheap man's uh, real thing. Like the real guy would do it. And yes, that's the yes. pure cut of cocaine, for lack of a better analogy. I also think this is the, is the real reason thing. we're not athletes. Tell me more. Because you're talking about being in your head as opposed to acting. Yeah. You think before you it's, – it's LAPD. It's shoot first, questions later. Right. We ask questions before right. we shoot. That's true. A lot of people and, – and sports is – it's, it's a physical act. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're reacting Those synapses are going faster. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And it's the same sort of thing where it's like people who just think before they act, they get into fights all the damn time. Right. Because they're just flying You mean act them. before they think. Oh, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, Act yeah. before they think. But we right. think about it. We think about what is the point? billion different situations. Right, of, right, right. If I throw a fist at this person, right. what's going to happen? Was that seen in uh, A History of Violence, which is a great movie? Oh, I've never seen that. It's good. Based on a comic book. It is based on a comic book. And yes. It's real good. I think you would like it. And it, it's, it almost feels like a short film. It's, it's a feature length, but mm-hmm. there's something about it that you're like, that was a very simple story and well done. Mm. And very graphic. It's very interesting. It's a very slow movie. Oh. And then whenever there's violence, you're that's like, that's definitely going to be something I like. What the fuck? And then it goes back to being slow. And then you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> Which is really, it's like Brett Easton Ellis. Have you ever read any of his stuff? I've never read any, you know. But you know, like uh, American Psycho and Which stuff. Which they're remaking, yes. Boring, 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 boring. Something fucked up. Boring, 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 boring. It's like being a firefighter. You know what? You just reminded me of improv. Yeah. Keith Johnstone. You know Keith Johnstone? I love that book. He came to That's my wh- school. When I referenced putting on a mask, I was referencing Keith Johnstone. Johnstone. He came to our school because one of our teachers studied with him and I forced her to make, to get Keith Johnstone to come to our school. The book's called Impro. Impro. And he did a couple different workshops. He's a genius, obviously. Yep. Even if you don't like improv, read it. But he talked a lot about 
story structure. Yeah. And he talked about the narrative, and he said that um, every story is routine interrupted. You're doing something that you do all the time, and something, something goes wrong, story. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. But he talked about the, the habit. But basically, it's what you said. You're saying that it's almost a disparaging thing. Boring, 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 boring. What the fuck? Yeah. I enjoy that. No, That's it's why great. I like slow-moving TV. And he talks about that. He's like, it's just everyone's trying to do something all the time. Yeah. That's what he said. He's like, it's always something, 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 something. There's nowhere to go. Yeah. He's like, but if you do nothing. Right. And then when something happens. Right. It's even more important. I actually didn't. I, I could understand why you might thought it, I, I was saying that disparagingly. But remember, I love the movie. Yeah. Yes, you know yes, what I mean? Yes. So it is really. And but America, you're, you're saying how other people might see it. Yeah, sure. Exactly. Yeah. But it is really dull. And then when it's not dull, you're like, just like life. It, bu- it builds. Just like life. Exactly. But anyway, so we derailed. There's a scene. I'm doing my best. Uh, I have been a little bit more scatterbrained. Scatterbrained? Scatterbrained. Which Gotham means- is. What was I saying? <laughs> Baron? Gotham is. Uh, <laughs> it's on the tip of my tongue. <laughs> oh, Baron. Oh, what was I saying, Batman? This is such a happy canoe we're in Scatterbane. right now. <laughs> Scatterbane. Ladies and gentlemen. Now you have my permit. Mm-hmm. Look at that bluebird. <laughs> Scatterbane. That's perfect to put in your Batman. Uh, oh, that would be good. Stuff. We just did a Bane one. I know. I fucking hated that movie so bad. because You hated the last one? Because it could have been good. It's Ooh. not that it was bad. It's not that it was bad. It's not a bad movie. It's just a waste it, of, there was of an opportunity. so much... Hot. The stakes were so high. They were high, There's but no do a way. simple Batman story. Well, do a simple Batman story. I'm just story. saying that, look, Joss Whedon is talking about That's trying like, to do Avengers 2. He wants to do a smaller, quieter, simpler movie. Yeah. And nobody, and the studio doesn't want that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I wouldn't doubt if like people were behind Christopher Nolan. He's like, I want to do it like this. Like, no, 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 more explosions. More. He's like, yeah. but, but no. Bigger, bigger. Christopher Nolan can do whatever he wants. Possibly, I believe that. But like, nobody wants to see a small Avengers movie. But that's a movie featuring a fucking green monster. You the, know thir- what I'm the thirds out of trilogies are usually disappointing. There's, that's had, true. That's, they're usually disappointing, especially if the second one was killer. And you know what? It, I feel like I have that George Lucas thing where I can't be. I can't hate you. I can't hate you, Chris Nolan, <laughs> because you made Dark Knight, and, and thank you for that thank forever. You. But anyway, but the third one could have been great. Anyway, I, I've, I've made that point on the show before. But the yeah. uh, thing I was going to say was uh, in a history of violence. Right. There's a scene where the young kid, the, the teenager kid, is in a locker room, just a classic Americana bully scene, and the uh, quarterback comes up to him and he's like, "Hey, faggot," or something like that. Right. And I know people hate that word, but I'm quoting. And the kid, <laughs> I just anticipate. I don't like that word. Anyway, so the kid is like stands up and he pushes him mm-hmm. and he's like, what, what do we do? What do we do here? You've established your alpha male dominance. I am inferior. I yield to you. You are the stronger, better looking, more talented quarterback type. So maybe you can just be on your way and I'll sink, sink my head and I won't take any of the females and everybody will know that I'm a chump and you're the winner. Just like kind of breaks down like how we would feel after yeah, the fight. Yeah. And I feel like that's kind of how we are. When it comes to fighting, did I've he, never... Did the kid punch him anyway? I don't want to give you a spoiler. Oh, son of a motherless goat. Okay, I'll go I'll go. What watch is that it. from? Three That's Amigos? from Three Amigos, yes. Yeah. I use it all the time. Being raised by cartoons, one of the things I was going to ask you about was you have this great bit. First of all, you're a monster. You're a monster. Oh, sometimes I doubt that. You, I know. Well, Gothamus. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I love oh, it. What was I? What was I? Oh. <laughs> Damn it, I'm going to have to have notes when I go out to that football uh, studio. One of my least favorite parts of that movie. Somebody get a teleprompter. <laughs> Show me cue cards like SNL. 
Speaking <laughs> of which, I have a message from Lorne. <laughs> he wants me to host. Well, that's one of my. Uh, there's about. There's a list of about seventy five things I hate about that movie. The one that we're going to say on this on this podcast okay. is he reads the letter, the speech from Gordon yes. off of the speech, and everyone is like, "It must be true. He's holding papers." <laughs> Fuck that. That is not good. It's a visual medium. Like, play a video, play some audio or something. You know what I mean? Like, he read the speech. I recorded this for my Samsung Galaxy 3. <laughs> his, his chip. Can you see it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You can't quite get it right. Oh, the speaker's not on. <laughs> ah! Play it again. Whoops, I hit seven. <laughs> I refuse to be part of the Apple cult anyway. <laughs> let, uh, there's a million things going on. Let's, okay, let's yeah. go with this. This is interesting. When we met, mm-hmm. talking about you being a monster, okay. and you just are, you're one of the few people that I, I do your bits sometimes to myself to make myself laugh. Penises, you do, penises. You do. You text me. Yeah. Weird little like you'll references. you'll have you'll reference my act and you'd be like unicorn on top you'll just yep. like t- and because who, the only other person that does that is uh, probably Eric Andre. I'm a big believer. I do it to Eric too. Yeah, I do it Eric to Eric I, too. Eric and I text each other Greg Johnson lines <laughs> here At and there. Nintendo. When do we get our Jimbo? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Greg Johnson, our lovable lunatic. Yes, but as you, as you were saying, <laughs> so I'm, I'm a monster. You're a monster. And then, and then, this is the type of show it is. And and I say all of this in the spirit of love. And we're in the tr- we're in the trust house. No, oh, it's not even shit. it's not even confrontation. It's about okay. We you're a monster who doesn't seem to fully know he's a monster. That's that's like one of the best things you can say. <laughs> let me let me put it to you this way: insecure dragon. You're an insecure dragon. I saw you when I met you. I saw you in New York, and I saw this guy go on stage like the fucking Tasmanian devil, and you turned into that tornado and destroyed. And everybody there was like, our faces hurt, and we all remember the bits, and we're chanting. It's fucking insane. Not chanting, but <laughs> it was this amazing set. And I had this sketch at the time. Do you, you remember this? Which one? This is the first time we, we sat down together. I had a sketch that I wrote <gasps> called Save the Last Piece. It's yeah. not... You and me and... Uh, was it Jackie, Jackie Novak? Brendan Colehurst and Jackie Novak. Yeah, Brendan Colehurst and Jackie. Yeah. Well, she's Jacqueline now. She was Jackie then. Back in those days, she was Jackie. Backy? She was Jackie. Back... <laughs> Oh, God. That's true, though. Um, I loved it. Never say no to that joke. (laughs) (laughs) Never say no to any joke you think of it here. But, yeah. So I saw you destroy. And I remember I was, like, super, super nervous to meet you. Like, somehow I got your email. Maybe you gave it to me. I emailed you. And I was like, I have this sketch. And just for fun, the the premise of the sketch was it was like Save the Last Dance. But instead of, like, some streetwise guy teaching a, a, a prim proper white girl how to dance it's somebody teaches her how to play chess yeah i remember street chess now if i heard that idea now i would be like that's not the best idea but i wanted to do it it's a simple sketch it it would still fly today too it would be okay yeah it would be okay uh it's just it was one of my it was literally one of the first sketches i ever wrote Mm -hmm. and i was like oh my god this guy would be great for the guy who teaches her street chess Mm -hmm. and then uh i somehow set up a meeting with you and then the guy that i met uh that i watched you know, your dick was just filling the room. You know what I'm saying? I'm just, I feel that way sometimes too. And you, you need to understand that this is coming from a guy who hugely understands this. Hurricane Pete, huge. Just a, just a, a monster and a destroyer. Okay. And then a guy who's just like small. And then when I met you, I was like, this guy has no idea how fucking funny he is. It wasn't anything you did or said, but I, you could have showed up to that meeting and kept your sunglasses on the whole meeting. And I would have been like, thank you, sir, so much. <laughs> And then slowly I, I realized totally Eddie Murphy'd you. 
Yeah, exactly. And not looked at me and texted the whole time. And I would have been grateful for the meeting. And then this is when I started to learn what I'd like to talk to you about. I just went on a pretty long run here. But the idea of being this one guy on stage, this huge standing ovation, penises, penises, lollipops, unicorn on top, destroyer. And then sometimes, you know, I see you and, and you know, a lot of times I see you and I can tell I'm talking to Vulnerable Baron. And you know what? It's usually because... <clears throat> a lot of times that you see me and I feel like you know how there's certain people you feel like always see you when you're working out stuff is like, that right I, there's I, I always feel like there's certain people that only ever see me right at the beginning of trying to figure out what whatever the hell it is I'm talking about right now mm-hmm. or there are people who only just ever see me bomb mm-hmm. you have you've seen me kill I always but you've me. also seen me in the stage of I'm um, trying to I'm rambling and trying to figure out what it is yet right it's now. It's so funny that you're addressing Stage Bear and the guy that I don't have any qualms about. Not qualms, but you know what I mean? Like, in, I, if I've seen you fumbling and trying to work something out, I have no memory of it. I honestly don't. Well, but I. The I, only memory I have of you is going, I don't want to follow this. And. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I do that all the time. There's certain comedians I refuse to follow, but that's because I'm, <laughs> I'm in my own head about it. Sure. And uh, and one time I said that to you, and you got in your head about it, and you were very apologetic. Remember? You got angry with me. We were at the improv. You were about to go on. Oh, my God. Tosh shows up. That's right. And then right. does like half an hour. Yes. He's destroying. Yes. And then I, I – and this was what I thought was a compliment to yeah, you. Yeah, I yeah, said, yeah. if anyone can follow this guy, it's you. I know. I remember that. But also – you're comp- because also because you're completely different to me sure, sure, sure. than what Tosh he, does. Let me interject at this point mm-hmm. in the story. Yeah. If it had been Hurricane Pete, Big Ego Pete, you could have said that to me and I would have been like, you're goddamn right. But you were talking to Small Pete. You didn't know it. I did kind of I knew it once I figured once you reacted the way you reacted. What did I do? Because you were you were you were about to record your album. Uh, and what you were doing was something that I hadn't have really ever seen you do, which was you were really sticking to your script on huh. all of your jokes. Yeah. You were like, no, it's got to be. It's, you were just, you were putting the structure on it. You were laying it out in a grid and you were going to fill in those pieces yeah. as they needed to be filled. No elaborations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I felt like that was one of the first times I had seen in recent years caged Pete. Ha. Where it was kind of like, because you'll, you'll do, that's what, I, I mean, that's what I love about you on stage, obviously. You have your jokes, the structure of them are already sound. I could I could read them off a of paper with very little emotion and probably still get reactions. Oh, that was very nice to hear. But then you also will find so much in the moment of yeah. when you're on stage yeah. that I've seen become jokes later. Right. Like you're like, oh, and I see you get off stage. You're like, oh, that was hilarious. I got to remember that. Uh, and then later it's like a new bit. I'm like, son of a motherless goat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, that's the alchemy. That There's a little bit of trickery to that. But then there's also the, the, the manufacturing, and I don't mean that in a bad way, the manufacturing of an intimacy between you and the crowd. Mm-hmm. Like I'm trying to do with this podcast. Like right. remember at the beginning I was like, this is all love. This is all good. Of this course. is all Like let's be in a safe place. It's kind of what I'm doing with the audience. Right. And you establish a little bit of trust where it's like, if the joke doesn't work, don't worry. Like, sometimes I say that to crowd. I'll be like, I know it's weird to talk about my own stand-up, but I like talking about this stuff. No. If I, I know you do. Am do- <laughs> so do I. Uh, again, yeah. so, okay. If I'm doing a joke and it doesn't work. I just did a show uh, this, uh, a couple weekends ago. And the late show, late Saturday, so I'm all warmed up. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a couple hours in. You know what I mean? I've been doing it for a while. And then I, I couldn't find the crowd. I like to just be like, I can't find you, but I'll find you. Don't worry. Like, I can feel them getting worried. I'm like... Oh, you don't like you don't like that sort of stuff. We'll find something. Let's switch gears. See, you know, I will. The, the the my biggest problems and in r- the last year, I've done a shite load to crack these open and undo them. I noticed that if I just if I'm feeling not confident in what it is I'm talking about, especially from working out stuff, I don't look at the audience. 
Hmm. I look down a lot. That's so funny. If I have a bad set, I'll get off and be like, well, you were looking at your feet. Yes. And I'm learning and I've seen like how many because when I was starting out, I never looked down. Yeah. And it was just a habit that. Well, we're getting too comfortable. But it became as I got more as I got more comfortable. But the stakes get raised of like, well, now I got to do an hour or I got to build a new. It's like I can't do this one hour of stand up forever. Right. right, right. Where's the new material going to come from? Right. Um, So I've stopped doing that. And I'm just look I'm looking up at the audience and it just they come with you more because then, you know, what you're doing. Yep. You're not some guy that's looking at your feet, well, that, you know, like a janitor who wandered on stage yep. and doesn't know what he's doing, I say um, the pop- although there are hilarious janitors. This is some Keith Johnstone shit. If I yeah. told you, Baron, to go on stage and said, you can just take one pose, show me the freeze frame of a stand-up who's killing... I know what you would do with your body. What's you know that? what I mean? Like, I don't know. I, I'm picturing you kind of crouching a little bit more like one hand up. And okay. you're leaning into them. Yeah. You're certainly looking at them. Ready to pounce. Ready to pounce. There's an aggressive sort of like, I, I got the jump on you fuckers. You mm-hmm. don't have the jump on me. And I, I don't think of the crowd as that. But that's the feeling of your body right. right there. And then there's also like, there's the casual lean back. Your shoulders open. Your, your, your stomach exposed. Your neck exposed. That sort of evolutionary cue that you're like, I'm so comfortable right, right now. Right, right, Even Hedberg, when he used to kill, would lean back and show his face a little bit more. Right. It's not just these, you know, animated, like, that's kind of like a Chris Rock pose. But it's not just that. Everybody has a kill face. And sitting... Ca- Comedians who sit. Yep. I did a three-month stretch of sitting. What? Of, while I was on stage. Really? And it totally changes everything. That's interesting. Just the, st- like the way that I was – the way that the material was coming out and how I was structuring yeah. it was totally different than I'm using my body. Yeah. It was like I'm here. I'm just going to talk. It's kind of perfect for your, your ploy to be – not ploy, but your smart uh, kind of idea that you would be a great actor to play Bill Cosby. Can I go on the record right now? I did not bring this up to do the impression. I have Bill Cosby records on my wall at my apartment, and I look at it all the time, and I'm like, that looks a little bit like Baron. Enough that you could play it. Enough that you could play it. Well, I know that they are are working on a, a prior movie. Yeah, and you play um, you play Cosby in the prior. I would uh, if if Cosby's in the movie because you don't know you never know if someone has a life as long and as filled yeah, as yeah, prior yeah. is like like the movie Ray. It's only a very small portion of his life that they tried to Richard, do. Richard, it's a little dirty from the taste. But also, you don't know what parts of the. <laughs> it's a little dirty from the taste. <laughs> yours is like accurate. Yeah, mine is fun, but yours is like good. Um, <laughs> it sounds like young, especially Cosby when you too. when it's young. Bill yeah. Cosby yeah. was just—he's a lot more conversational. Yeah, you have that—you have the things that became the Cosby from the Cosby Show. But if you take it just a little faster and you just do it a little bit down, then that's the way he talked when he was a little bit younger. right. And you know, when and, Richard Pryor started, yeah, he talked like that too. And and, and Pryor says that he says that he wanted to be Bill Cosby when he first saw him. Yeah. He was like, I don't know what's happening to me. Yeah, I have to do what he's doing. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. And then he found his own voice. Blah blah blah. That's but that's one of my big things where you know I get shit for when, or I got shit when I was starting occasionally still this came up recently mm-hmm. for doing Regan and I was yeah. like yeah you're fucking right. no need teeth eat our beef <laughs> you don't need them teeth right uh, yeah lesson learned then what am I gonna do how am I gonna take that similar suitcase and pack it differently yeah the compartments are the same and then maybe we move the compartments as we get older but uh, yeah but fucking can... the best stand up ever but Brian then you're also <laughs> like who, who was Regan aping of course and he would tell you. And he would tell you. He'd and be he like, would when I started, you. I thought I was these three guys. Yep. And you I was trying him, really hard. Put them in a fucking blender and drink it. And then hope <laughs> that the audience doesn't recognize it. Doesn't taste. recognize it until you, at some point, find your own voice. And it's, it's going to be a surprise to you. Yeah. And then when that voice is silenced, we're going to act it out. <laughs> Scene. <laughs> 
scene. Boom. So where were you? Because um, I can bring us back to the sensitive thing, but I didn't know if you were done here. Well, I'm just like, I feel ashamed if, because I, 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 I bail on my new stuff too quickly. This, hmm. I'm noticing this is my habit. If I go on stage and I'm like, okay, I know what I'm talking about to an extent. But I, and that's because I don't think I have thought it through enough until I'm right there. There's a part of me that's like, I'll just talk and something will happen. Mm-hmm. But I don't trust myself to let it happen if it doesn't happen fast enough. But see, sometimes that happens. And sometimes we, it does learn, we learn a dangerous lesson when we go up that magical night where it just hit you right. Every, everything is right, and you go up and you riff, and it works. And then we're like, that's how riffing works. Well, here's the thing I never trust myself to riff. And it's funny, too, because I remember, I don't know if I ever talked to you about this. I remember talking to Moshe about it. And hey, it's Moshe. Maybe TJ. Hey, it's Moshe. <laughs> I voice, had this though. idea for a podcast, which I was going to call The Riffers. Uh-huh. And I was going to give you, TJ, Moshe, and Scoville um, recorders. Uh-huh. And while you're on the road, I wanted you to record your sets uh-huh. and only bring to me the parts in which you riffed. Uh-huh. And you're killing. Yeah. And then we would sit down and put the riff into context. Interesting. And I thought of that because I did the Sacramento Punchline mm-hmm. uh, uh, over a year ago. And I was... All nervous about it because it's not as hoity-toity as the San Francisco punchline. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, these people are going to they're they're hate me. That's what I uh, was convinced. And I had one of the best times I've ever had. And I riffed so much mm-hmm. because things happened in the moment. Mm-hmm. And if that happens, th- then I will come to it. And it's almost like a trance to bring up John Stone again. Yep. I get off the stage. I'm like, I have no idea what I said. Buddy? I'm right there with you. I did a set recently in sweatpants, and I talked about how they could see the outline of my dick for about 25 <laughs> minutes. And, and you get off stage, and it's just it's like an old school where, where Will Ferrell is debating, and he goes, blah, 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 blah. what happened? What happened? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. exactly how you feel. I'm not that guy. I'm trying to be that guy. I'm, trying to, I'm an alchemist, and I'm trying to figure out. It's like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Mr. Hilarious. And I'm sitting at home, <laughs> and I'm trying to be like, last time Dr. I was Heckle. Mr. <laughs> Dr. Hackle and Mr. Hilarious. You got to put it in the comedy context. Jesus the Christ. Mormon Jesus. I like to mix up which Jesus I'm blaspheming. <laughs> oh, spaceship Scientologist Jesus. I don't, I, don't, I don't even know if they acknowledge him. Oh, Osmordior Christ. I'm at home going, what's the amount of sleep? What's the amount of food? What's, the, what, what's going on in my life? What's happening? Mm-hmm. Even when I did this podcast that I was telling Katie, I was like, last couple days, my head's been up my ass. What I got to do? I'm going to go. I'm going to exercise more. I, I drank coffee. I didn't normally drink coffee. I'm going to not drink last night. It was the first time in a long time. And all these different things because i'm trying to find mr hilarious again because i've seen him and he winks at me from time to time mm-hmm, and i love mm-hmm. when he, he's flirting with me and i just want to grab him and trap him but then he stops being funny ironically the being on a television show i felt has really distracted me from stand-up right when i felt like i was on the verge of cracking open a new version of myself i mm-hmm. kind of had to go somewhere else for months and not do stand-up right well you, you this is barely barely legal barely I'm sorry. It's fine. Only I men. Was, I thought it was only fair. men ever make that mistake. I wonder why. It, why? <laughs> I didn't get it. <laughs> anyway, join the club international. What, what am I saying? Just por- <laughs> that's a pornography magazine. Is that club oh, okay. international? It's oh. a it's a dirty one. Club international is the name of a porn magazine. Yeah, yeah. They oh. show starfish. They show bullet wound. That's the main difference. I... Playboy, they'll be like, you know, my asshole's in there. But club <laughs> is like, there it is. Starfish and bullet wound. Wow. Just a single bullet wound. It's amazing wound. that in your effort to clean up those it made terms, it worse. Made it worse. Which, made it so much worse. Which, which Patton Oswald has a bit about that, I think, doesn't That's he? So Something funny. Like that. I could have just said asshole. Love muffin. I'm gonna put my hoo-ha on your love muffin. 
<laughs> sprinkle love cream or something. So, Bear, you were taping uh, fairly legal. Fairly legal, yeah. And, and, and In Canada, though. In Canada, in Vancouver. Weren't we both out for that part? Yes, we were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were out for it before they decided they wanted it to be black. I thought it was the three of us. It was me, like a really, really fat guy, and you. I thought it came down to the three of us. Were you here in L.A.? I was. Because I, I was in New York. I was in New York as well, and I okay. flew out for the old pilot I, n- I didn't know that you were near to the I thought you to told me that I was near. Somebody told me I, I was found near. that out later. Okay. I found that out after like I had already shot the pilot. Uh-huh. And it was like, oh, they changed their mind about what type they wanted yeah. last minute. Well, when I went out for it, it was like uh, sassy, effeminate, um, fat dude. Like really fat. Yes. So I, and the creator of the show told me why he wanted that. Why? Because he felt like big people were never really portrayed well on television. Interesting. Like people who were tall or, or big or physically intimidating. Tell me about it. When I was on Roseanne, <laughs> sorry. Jesus. Physically intimidating in some sort of physical sense, he felt like it, that was always, it, everything they ever did was always about their weight. Yeah. And he grew up in the Bronx, and he talked about growing up around these guys that were like, well, put, he's like, whenever you see like a person that's big physically, there's always this uh, expectation or assumption that they just, they don't care about their bodies. Right. That they just eat whatever they want. Right, right. They're, they're lazy, slovenly buttholes. Sure. And he's like, but Blue that's ones. not true because I... Knew guys like that when I was growing up, and they were in suits. You know, they, yeah. they cleaned themselves up. Yeah, and yeah, always yeah. taken care of. And I saw that more than like, oh, I'm in sweatpants, and you can see my dick. Yeah, yeah, the the fun fat guy. Yeah, uh, Joe DeRosa. Well, not was... even fun fat guy. Not fun fat guy. Not jovial fat guy. Well, what what I mean by that is the fat guy who wants to eat a pizza with you. Right, that's who you always see. Right, but he was talking about the fat guy who. It was like the bouncer right. that ran the club. Right, right, right. With, the, with jewelry had and jewelry, cologne. Wearing and a three-piece suit. He was... He did knew it how well. To, he, did, he did it well. Like he, a big motherfucker who got women that like big motherfuckers. Right. So he wanted to try to play against the physical type. Yeah. Which is why he made him... He wanted him to be a little um, uh, nebbishy, I guess, in a sort of a way. Mm-hmm. That a guy who's physically bigger than everyone is so nervous. Uh, that, was, that was what he thought was interesting. That is funny. But um, they decided to go with... Uh, uh, a bl- uh, black nerd, a blurred, a blurred. Well, not um, the, that's the not black blurred, nerds. Not blurred. That's some. Mm? Mm-hmm. What's it? What? I actually I didn't. don't. Apparently, oh. do we say shinerd? Gotham is yours. Now I turn the radiator. It's actually a bomb in the zip of Bill Cosby. Bill Bane. Cosby is Bane. Bane Cosby. Now you got my permission to cry. Gotham is yours. The boops. The scariest prison in Gotham has a huge hole that you can climb out of with unlimited tries. So, the thing is... <laughs> Sounds deadly, but there's a rope. It's <laughs> <laughs> ridiculous. Um, Sorry. What is it? I said that... What I was going to say is that I, I, I'm realizing the ridiculously impossible standard I have set to myself. And I remember once saying this to you. Mm. And <laughs> this was your response. That sounds awful. That's what you said to me. Oh, Jesus. Reverse engineer this story. But it just means that I didn't describe it well. But I was also in vulnerable place. Yeah. This, so I had this set. And, and what, basically, I was doing new stuff. I bailed on it too early. Mm-hmm. I went ab- abort too early. Mm-hmm. Then I did the tried and true, which also got nothing. Isn't that bad when you compromise your artistic integrity and it still doesn't work? That's and that's what I feel like. If I just would commit to bombing with things that I like, yeah, then I would feel. And I've done that. I've right. had horrible sets, or so the audience just didn't like me. But I right. felt good. You about what were I good. Said. How was the show 
I was good. I How was, was good. the show? The show was crap. We were good. How was the show? They were good. I weren't good. These are different combinations. Very different. But if you get off, and again, the most recent weekend I worked, there was a chunk of material where I was like, this isn't going to work. And I used to tell them, I was like, I don't know if this is going to work. Because there's a part in my act where I reference Mortal Kombat, and if they don't laugh at that, they're not going to laugh at the, the rest of it. At the Double Dragon bit. Right, right. But I would do it anyway. In, because of what you were saying, I was good. You know what I mean? And you liked it. You liked the structure of it. You liked what you were talking about. You right. like, you know, whatever reasons that you were there that. to deliver. But then there's also a part of us that's like, deliver schmaliver. Yeah, it's a lot for it's for me as this, well. This bit is a DiGiorno's because it doesn't <laughs> deliver. <laughs> the, the bits that are Boom. just for you, we call them DiGiorno's. It's not delivery. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that joke is so tight. It's not the delivery, man. That joke is DiGiorno's. <laughs> Baron, it's so it's, it could be a tweet. Gonna, that's, a, that's how I'm going to refer. Like when I see a bit that I love, I'm going to be like that. That that bit's DiGiorno. It's a DiGiorno. It's so tight. It's like, and we have when a joke uh, was funny, like my wife, and then it comes back. We yeah. call that a McRib because it's back. <laughs> or or McDonald's Monopoly. <laughs> Yo, that's Monopoly McDonald's. One out of four. I don't know why I did that. Voice. Wins. You know, no, you, went, we you went back feel, to Hannibal we both again. Feel kind of, Hannibal, you can't play McDonald's off a cup. I'll play Hannibal Cup. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm going I'm to quit while I'm at People say, Hannibal, you can't play Monopoly off a cup. I'll go to McDonald's and I'll peel them off. I got Park Place. It's a million dollars. That's really eerily scary. Isn't that weird? That is. Yeah. It, it's, it's fun. Well, first of all, I should say thank you. You ever catch yourself? I just don't say thank you anymore. I'm just like, I agree. <laughs> just like keep going. I don't I, agree. I also enjoy myself. Uh, big fan. Moving big fan on. of myself. Where were you? Cause oh, the, yeah. So I so had you, that's what had happened that night. There yeah. was a couple things in my head is that an ex-girlfriend was in town. That was literally the only show that she could see that she brought four friends to, which I didn't want her to come mm. because I'm like, I don't know because I had never done the show. Yeah. And I was like, I have no idea who else is on. I have no idea what the space is like. And she picked that night to make And rib. she's like, well, this is the only time I'm in, I'm in town. Yeah. And I'm like, damn it. So she came to the show. So there was that, like, I want to impress this girl that I used to date mm -hmm. sort of thing. Um, and then I did the thing where I bailed on the new bits. Then I did old bits that also didn't work. And I was like, son of a... And I was just... Afterwards, I was trying to release myself of whatever it was that I felt. So I said to you... I wasn't there. You said to me later. No, you were at the show. Oh, you, I was. You were on the show. Oh. And it was after the show. Uh -oh. Everyone had done well but me. That's I how I perceived it, at I, least. I don't like this story. You and Eric Andre just freaking just destroyed. Am I the villain of this story? No, you're not the villain. I, I already told you what you said. That sounds awful. I know it does sound... Yeah, but that sounds awful. Like, saying that sounds awful sounds awful. So, so what a deal. And Katie was there as well. Do you remember the show, Katie? Yeah. Katie this remembers. was in L.A.? Yes, it was in L.A. It was Rob O'Reilly's show um, at some place. And because you guys went to... Uh, you guys were going to Public House. I mean, it was a Monday or something? I don't remember, but you guys were like, we're going to Public House. This is Tiger Lily? No, this is pre this podcast, I think. Pre podcast? This is pre this podcast. I remember you telling me this story. Yeah. So, this is the, the point is, is that I have learned that I have a ridiculously, impossibly high standard for myself, which is good and then, if I don't go into the self defeat instantly. Yep. Right? Well, it's why you're funny. It's why if, if you just got off and patted yourself on the back, that would be good. Here's the, but I have to give myself – it's balance. I can't always have the most impossible standards all the time. So I said to you, yes. you know what? I'm spending so much energy trying to be great. Why don't I just try to be good? That's what I said to you. It was like, said, some of, not all of us can be great. Some of us are just going to be good, right? And you're like, that sounds awful. <laughs> That's what you said. I agree. I'm being very blunt in this story, and I'm not – you know what's weird, Baron, is you're one of those people – 
that I will be that way with. And I don't know why. I almost feel like I owe you an apology. Because you, you see me in some in weird personal low points because of good old New York office. Yeah. I was like, Mwah. and you're like, Baron, come on. Yeah. But on the record, I think, not, not necessarily for that story, but there have been times when I, I think I owe you an apology where I shoot a little too from the hip with you. No. I'm, like, I, I'm like, I've seen your soft side, okay? And there are some people that see soft side and they nurture it. And I'd like to think of myself as that kind of person. I will protect you and I will nurture you. And then there are times when you reflect my own neediness, my own, okay. in, my own inability to see my goodness. So I'll have a great set and I'll get off and I think that I bombed. And then I'll go up to somebody and be like, uh, maybe I'll just be good. And then like, I, the reason I'm cruel to you mm-hmm. in that moment mm-hmm. is I'm cruel, and it's not an excuse, but I'm cruel to that part of myself as well. So you're just like a reflection of me. You say that and then I say, it's, it almost goes back to the fantasy. I get to relive your weakness, which was my weakness, but in this version, you I'm say- Mikey and I dunk from the half court and I go, that sounds terrible. I'm here to be great. Light a cigarette, <laughs> flick it at a baby, and roller skate away. Yeah. And you're like, Gotham's mine. What so can I say? For what, for, for, uh, what that's well, worth, but the I thing is, but I respond to tough love generally. Yeah, maybe, I, yeah, maybe I'm picking up and on And the that. thing is that in that space, I because I did go and think about what you said, mm-hmm. but I also realized that I didn't communicate it as well as I could have if that was your response. Right, okay. So, but the thing is... Let's redo it. What the hell does great mean? It's a meaningless term. You can't be great. You can just be. Right. That's it's what like, I was trying to say. If I'm trying to aspire to an idea of greatness outside of myself that I don't even understand. Right. I'm aiming at nothing. So it's like, why don't I just let myself do what I do? Yeah, you're aiming at nothing. You're just an arrow soaring through space. I'm an arrow, th- and, it's, and it's meaningless. You've got no, you literally have no direction. So it's like it I never was ends. trying to release myself of... The pressure I'm constantly putting on myself yep. in order to play and feel okay right. on stage again. Instead, what I heard was, I'll never be great. And then there's a voice in my brain that, that was goes, there a little bit at that time. I understand. Which is why I shouldn't have spoken it that It doesn't, that no, no, no. That's a responsibility on us. You know, look, we're not the back table at the cellar. We're not breaking each other's balls Yet. constantly. What's that? Yeah. Ha, ha, ha. But, you know, it's like... I don't. Uh, I don't think we necess- We're not as mean as we could be to each other, but there is a little bit, bit of a comedic cruelty to each other because we're, we're. I'm trying to spin plates. I'm spinning my. I'm great. I'm great. I'm great. I'm great. And then you're like, you come to me with a broken plate, and you're like, it's it's dumb to spin plates. We're not great. And I'm like, I'm trying to spin some <laughs> plates right now. Fucking beat it. You know what I mean? These plates are gonna fall eventually. In that moment. There's soup so spicy when you eat it, you can't lie. And when you're spinning plates and when you're trying to keep this idea of capital C comedian in your brain mm-hmm. and you're trying to be this guy who can do a preposterous thing, which is show up at 8 p.m. on a Friday and deliver something that in, in most people's lives is a special uh, garnish. Mm-hmm. And you're going to take all that parsley and present it. And, not to, and the parsley gets brown really quickly and it dies really quickly. But you have to foster it and care for it and then present it at 8 o'clock. Oh, and, and it's late and there's a guest spot and Daniel Tosh bumped you. You got your parsley. You got your parsley. So, or the plates to keep the metaphor. The parsley's on the plates, just the side. Right. It's hard. It's, it, there's a lot of uh, self-manipulation. There's a lot of uh, healthy delusion or artistic delusion going mm-hmm, on mm-hmm. to be like, I'm that guy. I'm going to get up there and be in my kill phase. And that's, and that's where a little bit of uh, insensitivity comes towards ourselves and towards each other. The, I have learned the, if I, because I will psych myself out on yeah. a show yeah. before I go up. <laughs> Sure. When we just did, uh, F- we just did uh, Fuck Yeah Fest, FYF. Mm-hmm. I remember. Right? Yeah, sure. And I literally dented my car 
I remember the five minutes before I walked on the stage because I I but then you you went up stupidly and yes drove to the venue couldn't find the parking nobody that works for the festival knew where the parking was I had a really hard time parking then I got there then a guy's like why are you parking there there's a parking around that way I was like okay then I went around someone told me to park in a spot that just because there was no it was just dirt and there was no markings to like lanes or anything and the way that the spot was. There was no room for me to really get into it and mm-hmm. back up without mm-hmm. hitting a car, so I dented the side out of my car. Mm-hmm. Then I'm getting texts from Ryan McMenamin, who organized the comedy at the uh, Fuck Yeah Fest, and he's like, where are you? Where are you? Because I would literally have been driving around the venue for like 25 minutes trying to figure out where the hell to go. Mm-hmm. Then I'm like, oh, I just dented my car. First dent in two years. Okay. Walked up, and I get up there, and my name is being said. I'm like, mm-hmm. I dented my, oh, I'm on stage. Mm-hmm. And I just had no time to think. Mm-hmm. No, no time to even decide what material I was going to do. Yeah, I was standing in the wings, and I was like, "How's this going?" Right, because go? you were there, and Mark Barron was there, and yeah. Bronger was there, and I'm like, "Okay, I'm going to stage." And then I just felt I was just there. There was no time to think. I just yeah. it was it was the the the, uh, the synapses. It was the athlete, yeah, the comedian athlete. The needle was on the record. It's a muscle that we've worked so much, yeah. that it's like our it's our response. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I didn't need to sit there and be like, Meh, before I went on stage. So I just went on stage and I was there. And he probably has some good adrenaline going and all that. Sort and of the stuff. adrenalines. Let's talk a little bit about this this vulnerability and this sort Uh-oh. of. Oh, okay. Um, I, I mean, if you want to, I, I'm wondering. One of the things that I've noticed is we are, we are one. We are one. In a sense. We are mighty. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I mean, like... Vulnerability. Do you feel like it's hard for you to carry on that? Does it burn up really quick, the feeling after you kill that Baron, who's just capital BV Baron Vaughn, gets off and he's a king and he's a guy, and then you kind of get off stage, and when I see you... God, I'm trying to phrase this delicately... But like when Just you show up, fucking shoot from the hip, Pete. Let's, do it. Say, let's say this. Do it. There are people that are Pooh Bears, and then there are people that are Eeyores. And I look at you. <laughs> I look at you as more of an Eeyore. That's so offensive. I'm obviously uh, piglet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Until you said piglet, I was like, uh oh, I glazer accuracy. I shit. Uh, I shit the bed. I have called myself that. Eeyore. I I I the the basically when I break out of a depression. I'm saying to myself the things that you have like I'm just being like what do you d-? I sit there I've literally become exhausted and frustrated with myself. Yes. Like I'm looking at myself on the couch like what are you sitting on the couch? Mm. Do, you know people have jobs. People are doing things. Mm-hmm. You are a professional comedian. You know how lucky you are that you could just sit on this couch right now. Why don't you go outside? That's why I yell at myself until I get up really? in my own head. No, no words are actually being yeah, said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's how I break out of it. I'm like, you know what? There's no reason. I literally have no reason. I find that there's no reason to but feel But what's wrong with being on the couch? In that, in that, no, no, just, you know, it's funny when you were saying that. I was like, I thought the voice in your head mm-hmm. that would break you out of the depression would go, sit on the couch, champ. You earned it. Well, it's because I've been sitting on the couch. Too much. Yeah, just because I've been sitting there, I'm like laying on it, kind of like staring at the TV. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like no motivation. It's, it's a lack of, I've no, I literally have no posture. Mm-hmm. I have no body. I have mm-hmm. no spine, literally. Right. It's weird. Okay, let's look at that. Just th- that thought. I, mm-hmm. I, I'm actually having a really hard time predicting where you're going to go with your analogies and your stories and stuff, okay. which is just an, an interesting chemical difference between our brains. Uh, okay. So if I'm sitting on the couch a lot and like uh, I'll think something like, this is how it works. This is what writing looks like. Me sitting on the couch watching a movie I've seen five times. Writing looks like me sleeping 14 hours. Writing looks like me uh, eating too much, drinking too much, uh, showering for an hour or whatever it is. Instead of being like, I'm a loser, I'm like, 
my subconscious is at work and I have to trust that it's going to give me something soon. Okay. Now, yes. I'm not saying that's better or worse. I think it's interesting that my brain defaults to whatever I'm doing, that's what the process looks like. Well, that's because you will – because you have – probably I'm going to, to uh, theorize or I'm going sure. to assume that you have a little bit more of a regimen than I do. Do you set aside specific times to write? No. You don't? I've but never. you do it? No. You don't? No. Okay, fuck you then. Um, no, I, I, think, I think that's an interesting fuck you because I think what we're looking at is a poo versus an Eeyore. Well, this is the thing. It's like I, And I don't think one's better than the other. Again, I'm holding my phone because I, I do think the same thing. Yeah. That like my subconscious is working. Yeah. I'm watching a movie. I'm looking at the structure of it. Because when I watch TV, I don't watch TV to watch TV. I'm watching it to, to, um, to cut it up, I guess, in my head and mm-hmm. to figure out how it works. And I'm thinking through. But if I feel like. If I don't write stuff down, literally write it down, I am not writing. Right. I'm not doing anything. And I'm in my own space. So I'm, I give him, I've given myself permission to do that, but I haven't seen it yield the results I believe it should have yielded. Mm-hmm. So I have to enforce or to, to wedge in some structure on myself. Get up. Get out of my place. Go somewhere foreign. Sit down and write. Mm-hmm. Out of my comfort zone. It, but it sounds to me like you're two things. You're being really hard on yourself, which is fine. Some people are hard on themselves, and it works. And you, Baron, it's working. You're on a TV show. You're a fucking hilarious stand-up. What you're doing is working, and I'm not here to shift it at all. But I do hear you being really hard on yourself, and I hear you trying to achieve the idea of a comedian when I think real enlightenment is going, you are a comedian, and they should be doing what you're doing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we all have that idea. That definitely is a, a reversal of uh, perspective. It, and I think it's learned. I really think it's learned. I, I, I think I grew up with an abundance of over love. Mm-hmm. Okay? You can mm-hmm. get that from me. From my family, I was always just like the golden boy. And whatever I do is magical. There's a downside to that. There's a dysfunction to that, too. But that's where I get this weird, like, fuck you. You think writing is sitting in a Starbucks? Fuck you, I'll show you what writing is, and I'll go on stage and I'll riff for 20 minutes. That's writing. This is writing. Pooh versus Piglet? That could be a bit. I have something, I have a very, I'm going to compliment myself, sophisticated computer running during this podcast going, right. on the what of the things are we saying could be things? Yes, yes. And I do, this, I do the same and thing. And I know you do. I do it, usually I do it for people. Like if I'm talking to a comedian and they say something, yeah. I'm like, that's, have you said that on stage? You're like, no, I've never thought yeah. the same. I'm like, you're just talking right now. That's, that's, that's what why I, it's brilliant. What that's what saying. I do. Like, I feel like that's my main feature with Melania's. I'm like, that's a bit. Like I just say it casually. I just go, that's a bit. That's a bit. And, yeah. it's, nice, and it's nice to have somebody that trusts you and goes like, oh, I, I believe it if Pete sees it. Well, and, and I've recently thought that because when I get ideas and I feel – inspired or motivated mm-hmm. i can't sit like i'm up i'm walking around i'm pacing i'm mm-hmm. thinking mm-hmm. but then when i'm like all right now I, now time to put all these on paper then i sit down and it all diffuses yeah it's like it literally flies out of my ass this is a dangerous subject because i don't want to one encourage you to work the way that i work no 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 I, and i don't think that you're doing that we're just talking about a difference of approach but also too i don't want to listen a lot of people listen to the show who are aspiring comedians and i think you need to learn how to paint by numbers before you can just like freestyle you gotta do you gotta do but basically there's no one way yeah that's what's really being said here the problem that's absolutely true but the problem is if i take if i'm by the shore and i pick up a stone in the in the ocean and it's shiny and it's beautiful mm-hmm. and i go this is a bit right and i'm borrowing this analogy from a teacher of mine uh I'm like, this is a bit. Okay. And then I'm like, I'm going to go over to where my blanket is because that's, 
that's where I keep my bits. That's once I get this stone back to my blanket, that's where I, I have a pile of bits and that's something I can use. So I have this beautiful wet shiny stone. Then by the time I get to my blanket, it's all the way inland and I got to get to my towel. By the time I get there, the sun dries it out. Now I'm just holding a stone. That's how I feel between the inception of a bit and the mm-hmm. thought that lights up my, again, sophisticated computer using my own compliment. Right. goes, that's a bit. Pete, hey, Pete. Yeah, that's a bit. Okay, fucking take it easy. So then I hear that voice and I acknowledge <laughs> yeah. it because he's so mad when I let them go. And I'm like, okay, I'll do it. Now what I like to do is uh, – here, I'll, I'll go in my little – I'll just show you. Your notepad? For the interest of the of Note the Master, an app that Pete Holmes taught me about. That's right. That I do use and sync with my Google, my Google Docs. Okay, so I, I've been wanting to write a bit about We Got Tonight, the Bob Seger song, We Got Tonight. Don't know it. And the Dave Matthews song, uh, Let's Be Lovers. Don't know that either. It's basically, I couldn't have picked two whiter <laughs> songs. Uh, I didn't hear Lawrence Welk yet. <laughs> but the idea that these rock stars write songs, that they're, the whole message of the song is written to a fan saying, let's fuck tonight. You, right. You're caught up on the premise. Don't okay. feel left out. And now the, the thing, the, all I have written down is we got tonight. Look at the stars. Please just use your mouth. That's all I have written down. Because I know how I feel about the song we got tonight. Mm-hmm. So I go on stage, and that's how I keep the stone wet, is I never wrote it down. I never sat down at my desk, which I fucking hate. Right. I never typed. I never wrote it. I was just seeing this thing about how Mitch Hedberg used to love the, the act of writing. Writing on paper, it pleased him. So that's another thing. It doesn't please me. I okay. feel I'm writing it with my blood, and I start getting lightheaded. Uh, but if I go on stage with all I got is we got tonight, look at the stars, please use your mouth. I know those beats. I go, have you seen these songs with the whole purpose? And I'll riff something there. There'll be a riff there. And then I go, okay. one of the lines of the song uh, is look at the stars so far away. Basically being just like, bitch, we don't matter. Right, if you right. fuck me, it doesn't matter. Look at a star exploding. That's a memory of a star dying a thousand years ago. Please use your mouth. <laughs> okay? okay. I, I don't forget how I feel about things I actually feel about. You're forcing yourself to reveal your feelings in the moment. Because it's real. It's a real thing. Now, there are, you, you know, you got your Dan Mintz and you got your Dimitris and all these guys who I love and they're scripted. Well, they're, they're mathematicians. They're, ma- they're scientists. They're alchemists. They're, yeah, they're, yeah that's, a, that's a totally different approach. They're cutting garlic with a razor blade and they're just like, isn't this amazing? And it is. I'm they, don't, on- they, don't, they don't deal in reality. Right, exactly. Dan Mintz doesn't deal in reality. <laughs> In, in life. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, just like he, the structure of his jokes or what his content is is not necessarily real. Dimitri is realer. Yep. Because Dimitri, Dimitri is asking you to use things that you know about yeah. Yeah, 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 and yeah. connect them together. Yeah. What Dimitri bit was I just thinking about? Anyway, but he applies to my life. That's right. kind of the point. Is I'll, I'll think of a bit of his and how it applies to something. I can't remember what it was. Okay. Anyway, so I, I, don't mean to, I didn't mean to do an infomercial, but the message for the Eeyore part of Baron, because I've mm-hmm. seen the Pooh part of Baron as well, is like even if you are just sitting on the couch or whatever, I'd, I, I sound like a therapist. I'd like to see the Baron that loves that guy too. <laughs> I know that's crazy, and it's not my job. I don't have a degree, but I have love for you, and I want you, you to have that love too. School of hard knocks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I get rough with you. I um, well, and I, I'm I'm just look, I'm experimenting with other methods. Okay. That's the thing because when I when we had that office, I only ever really got things done if I was there alone. Mm-hmm. Just someone else being there kind of was already a distraction. Me too, man. And I know I was distracting to you because well, I was just like there. Well, then, when we... But I was like, oh, well, Pete's here. I guess I can't really do anything because yep. I have to talk out loud. Of I have course. learned I have to say my shit out loud. That's yep. something I learned. Yep. 
I have to write by hand. I tried writing on a, a keyboard, yeah. but it doesn't engage my brain. Plus, I get to, in my head, about the structure of a page. Yep. I'm like, well, it has to be this font, and it has to be that, and I have uh-huh. to space, and I have to tap. It's all and traps. this is going to be. And it's like, oh, let me put a bullet point there. But if I write by hand, it doesn't matter that I can't really read it. It's an equation Completely agree. that I have made. And you can put in little arrows, and you can box things. And, and now what I'm doing things. is I am uh, recording myself. Recording myself talking either while I'm walking around my apartment, just mm-hmm. being like, just talking it out loud, and then I'll listen to it back, and just listening to it makes me rethink it. Mm-hmm. And I'm recording my sets again, mm-hmm. which is something I haven't done since like my second year of comedy. It's so hard to listen. I record them, and then I don't listen to them. I, well, I'm the listening I re- to them, and I have to forcing myself to listen, because every time I listen, Pete, yeah. every time, every single time, I think of three lines yeah. That are new. That I can hear everywhere. There's not a laugh. I can be like, okay, punchline there. I can hear the places where their punchlines need to be. Yeah. I can hear how I'm not articulating my point well enough. Yeah, I'm thinking of all these different ways to rephrase it. I'm like, why don't I do this all the time? That's why yeah. I'm trying to do it more. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's weird. Also, uh, that's very interesting. I love I love that. L- bringing it a little off comedy, the idea that we were in an office together. This came yes. up on a show before. Yes. It's funny, Mark Norman texted me and was like, oh, Bar- uh, Baron's doing the show, huh? It's going to get weird, huh? <laughs> Like, you thought it was going to get weird. Here's what, here, let's talk a little bit about that. We <laughs> That's ha- the Mark Norman impression, is the uh, lower-energy non-Jew Kindler. <laughs> it's going to get weird. <laughs> it's going to get a little weird. <laughs> That's good. You do know you're not a father, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes! Okay. Uh, love Mark Norman. Love Kindler. Anyway, um... We shared an office together. Yes. That was too crowded. I, like, the, it was four of us. It was you, me, McCarthy, and Mulaney until Mulaney got the job on SNL, and then it was Jay Larson. Jay Larson. Yeah. And then, okay, and Matt was never there. Matt was rarely there. There was, there's been a couple times I ran into Matt. Yeah. I would go there all hours of the day, dude. I was, there was a time I, I, I slept there three nights in a row because I had bed bugs. Oh, really? I came back from Minneapolis. While I was in Minneapolis, I got a text from my roommate. We have bed bugs. So you just slept at the office. And I just never went home until it was over. Can I just say that that office, uh, that, that couch, Ikea couch, yeah. one of the best things I ever did. I was just like, we need a couch in here. It was the best. It might have been before there was a couch in there. I, oh, my God. I think it was. I think I just, sl- I just what, slept here's on the what floor, happened. literally. Is when we, uh, you and I had our office breakup, mm-hmm. uh, we didn't replace you. Like, I was like, I can't have another person. Like, you were too close to me. Yeah, I was like right there. As, as close as you and I are right now, that's how close we were in this office. Maybe closer. I think a little bit closer. And my back was to you. And that's always uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable. Feeling so- the energy of someone in your back. Yep. And, and uh, you know, <laughs> you, like you know, you're saying, would be not very quiet. <laughs> how do I say that? Like, if, like it wasn't that you – here's the shit, okay? I wasn't quiet either. But here comes a guy whose energy is too similar to mine. It's another one of those self-hating things where I, if I was doing what you were doing, I would have been okay with me doing it. But you doing it, I was like, there's too much Pete energy in here. <laughs> you were playing video games, which is something I would do in the office. And I'd be like, uh, what the fuck are you doing? And it would reflect my own wasting of time. And then like, uh, I remember it just not working. And this is an interesting breakup thing. Instead of telling you, I don't think this is working, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I use the fact that you were late on the rent a lot to be like, hey, I don't think this is working. Yes, yes. Because at that point, you didn't have a bank account. No, I did. Oh, I thought you didn't have a bank account. I did and I didn't. Okay. I had a, <laughs> I had a bank account. It was just frozen. It was, I had a levy on it from being sued from my freshman year See, of college. This is all this Eeyore stuff. I mean, like, 
now I'm remembering where I got the picture. You got fucking bed bugs. You got a frozen bank account. That was also probably right when. And I then you got, got Bell's palsy. Bell's palsy. All that happened like in this like a two three week period. Just a weird. It's almost like a superstition on my part where I was like, this guy's got the bad mojo. Like something. <laughs> this guy. Like listen to a stupid man's brain going. Whatever this guy has <laughs> swirling around him, almost in a voodoo sense, I was like, I don't need that near me. I bet if you looked at that Pete's brain at that time, mm-hmm. he was thinking something like that. Mm, okay. Like the opposite of the secret. Like I was like, this guy's attracting some bullshit, and I need to stay away from it. Okay. Again, not proud of it. I probably felt the same way about myself. at the Because <laughs> you got Bell's palsy from mold? I got Bell's palsy from, from mold in my apartment in Queens, yeah. That's so crazy. And then I, because I was supposed to go to, I got sick. I didn't understand why. I was supposed to go to New Orleans because Sean Patton had organized that like little comedy festival. Uh-huh. I was all excited about it, mm-hmm. but then I got sick. I canceled it because I had colleges the week after. Mm-hmm. And then I stayed in my room with the mold. Getting sicker. Getting sicker. It turned into the left side of my face not working for yeah. three weeks. Jesus. Like I had to sleep with an eye patch because my eye wouldn't close all the way. Yeah. I had to hold it down to blink. I had, I had to, to hold for- my lips to eat. Fucking shit, man! And I was, I was just gonna do a pirate riff. Now is not the I, time. I was, I was, <laughs> I was frightened because I'm like, wow, this is my career's over before it really started. Yeah, like I can't use my face. That's gonna suck, oh, <laughs> right? Oh my god! And then when I came back from doing this, uh, like uh, eight, I remember eight days through the south nonstop with Nick Cobb. What happened to the face? You just laid low for three weeks? No, it, I had to go do these colleges. Half a face? With half a face. Man with no face? Yeah, I had half a face. It's and really also, man with half a face. Man with half a face. I couldn't really <laughs> manipulate my mouth the best, but I couldn't not make this money. So I came back. Yeah, I mean, now more than ever, you need the ones you have, because exactly. who wants the half face comedian? Who wants the half? Take so, the bookings you have. That's, and that's what I was thinking. I'm like, oh, this is it. This is it. I'm going to be half, half face McGillicuddy from oh, now on. Oh, my God. I came back to New York, because I had to go see, because I went to the emergency room. That's how I found out I had Bell's palsy. And they were like, here's a specialist. So when I came back from these colleges, I went to see the specialist. Mm-hmm. I had I'm just picturing eight Jason college Statham. checks with me, uh-huh. right? I go to the, the the specialist. He's like, "You're doing fine. You're progressing great. Here's a here's a you know steroids and antiviral, whatever the hell he gave me." I went downstairs to deposit my checks. Couldn't deposit my checks. My bank account was levied. Hmm. That's exactly when it happened. Then I had why eight, was it levied? Because of a, co- uh, a credit card for my freshman year of college. Ten years later, they sued me because I never paid it. I just wow. never paid it. They just sued me, and I thought it was fake. Because I hadn't thought about it in so long. There's something with coming back from New Orleans and then a levy, but most. We'll uh oh. Well, I didn't go to New Orleans. Ah. Yeah, that's uh, fine. But you, you still got levied. <laughs> so I. I had, Could you open a new bank account? I couldn't. Because of the levy. Because it's on my credit report. You had a cash levy. I had a cash levy. Okay, oh, good thank God. you, thank you. But I had eight college checks that yeah. I couldn't do anything. So you're with sitting on like ten thousand. Because they're, yeah, because they're out of uh, they're out of state checks. You yeah. can't cash them. Yeah, unless you have that much money in your account already. Exactly. So I was just like, oh. Couldn't you go to a check cashing place? No, no. You, they won't cash out-of-state checks. Really? Cash checkings, don't, they don't out, uh, cash out-of-state checks. If it's not a bank in New York, they wouldn't cash it. And Kind um, of a weird rule for like the sketchiest place in the world. Well, that's why. They're, they're trying to cut down on the sketch. Because it's really imp- easy to impersonate a state out-of-state check. Oh, right. I guess. I yeah, don't know. Yeah. We've all seen Catch Me If You Can. Mm-hmm. Man, they did. They did catch and him. And they gave him all the money he stole. The sequel, we caught him because we could. Well, because, you know, he developed checks that couldn't be – that was what they – that's what he did. He became a part of the FBI and helped develop technology for people to not be able to create fraudulent checks. Oh, interesting. And became a millionaire because of that. Yeah. 
So know? it's like he was stealing this money, then he made it impossible for yeah. others to steal it. It's like which that guy made him money. The show it takes a thief, which I don't think is on. Oh, anymore. I never seen that show. No. It was a, a cat burglar teaches you how to make your house not break inable. Ooh. I'll break it down for you. Lock your windows with more than just the weren't weren't, and uh, get a safe that bolts to the ground. Okay, you're welcome. Nice to know. Saved you uh, uh, eighteen saved you hours. Eighteen hours. Uh, so yeah, I did have the bad mojo. That's the point of the story. Uh, I was walking around with like money that I couldn't do anything with. Yeah, I remember. So you couldn't pay me. What a fucking. I hate this. I hate seeing this side of myself. Fucking cruel, Pete. No, I could pay you. Giving you the boot. It was just a, pro- a process. It what took I, a long time. I had to endorse it to my college agent, and then she could deposit it, and then she gave me cash. Right. And then that was the cash I had until I get, got the thing figured out with the banks. Yeah, you could have endorsed it to me or anybody, and like we could have been in business. That's possible, yeah. I could have done that. I didn't think to do it. Maybe I was proud. I mean, no, it's better to keep it in the professional circle, I think, at that point. Yeah, maybe. So I got bed bugs half face. <laughs> I got bed bugs half face, no cash, and old... Be- bi- cash levy bed bugs, no face over here. <laughs> and old big heart Petey was like, and I don't want you in the office. Great. Thanks for doing the show. <laughs> 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 well, here's another apology for you, my friend. I'm sorry. It's all right. It's all right. Well, Jesus. No, it's okay because We I- didn't vibe in the office. We didn't vibe in the office. It's because yeah. we were there at the same time. Yeah, we were. We it was were, like a like a two week. I feel like we, we were there at the same time every single day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I only ever ran into you. Then I would go there at eight o'clock at night, and then Matt McCarthy would show up. Oh, someone's here. Yeah, we were running the same scam. You and I, like we we found the same patterns. Like no one's there during these hours, and then we would be there, and it would just be like, oh shit. Yeah, I got fucking Street Fighter right behind my head now, <laughs> and you're like, oh shit, I gotta play Street Fighter because I can't talk to myself like a loony. Yeah, I'll put on my put on my headphones and not talk to Pete. Oh god. Hopefully this will be quiet. So you recently I'll look at porn when he's not looking. Oh, he's looking. He's not looking. We've all have you jaded off in that office? Jaded off? Yeah. That is disgusting. I of know. course I did. What yeah, are you we've all about? jaded off. In that. I've had sex in that office. So did I. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I hope that high five was on. Uh, hope that high five was on the. Uh, it definitely got caught. We'll go back and add an. I'm post. trying to think if it was more than one person, but no, it was just one person. Mine. Oh, it's the last place my my ex wife blew me was the office. <gasps> now it got tragic. Yeah. Ugh. This? Every time I go in, it was in the bathroom. I'm sorry. Did Sophocles write this? Uh, I don't get this it. This is a tragedy. <laughs> now I get it. <laughs> now that's not that sad. I think about it sometimes. And then, but then there was one other girl that I did and kind of cleansed the old palate. <laughs> sorry for that expression. <laughs> Cleanse the old office palate. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody <laughs> else happened. Things happened. Yeah, I don't know why I shared that. I could have not shared that. It's okay. It's fine. We high fived. Yeah, I think that was a bonding experience. We're igloo office buddies. Yeah. Okay. But the by we're office buddies. I'm still. I still think that scatterbained. Yeah, is the second best thing that's ever happened. Yeah, yeah. And number two pencil. And number two. Did you use your number two pencil when you had sex in the office? No, I, no <laughs> that's disgusting. Somebody told me you're polyamorous. Is that true? Oh Jesus, yes. Is it Katie? <laughs> no, Katie. It wasn't Katie. Uh, Eric Andre's polyam. Yes, like, I know. Which he didn't. He he only has recently talked uh, said that and talked. I know. About I it. referenced it on the podcast and I texted him after. I was like, "Is it okay?" And he said his Twitter profile is something like a social nihilist, uh, polyamorous. Yeah, I mean, I in, in essence have been a practicing polyamorous person for maybe. Can we just five years? People that listen to the show know what this means, but some, maybe somebody's new. Means you have you you may, it's, you it's, might commit to somebody and that's your girlfriend, but then you fuck other people. And so can they. Uh, that's one version of it. Tell me your version. My version is I'm in a couple different relationships. 
So you have like three girlfriends, basically. Oh yeah, I'm just throwing that. But out. they're not. Yeah, but they're not. Uh, some people like to have the one emotional commitment and a couple casual things. Yeah. Some people like to have multiple emotional commitments, hmm. and then some people just have to have multiple multiple casual things, which is really nothing. <laughs> that's just that just means you're dating around. Yeah. There's, if there's no emotional investment, that's that's what defines it. Is that there's at least one person that you have emotional investment with, and then there's someone else. Besides that person. So you have more than one emotional girlfriend. Someone yes. who you care for. You yes. Drop the L-bomb. You love yeah. more than one. Yes. And they say that. Yes. And they're aware that you're getting it wet other places. Yes. And they're getting it wet other places. Some of them, yes. Is your favorite the one who doesn't? <laughs> there's, no, there's no favorite. <laughs> oh, but kind of. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Oh, that, that was just a comedy joke. Tell me how that works. How did you? How do you? How did you get into that? That's a long because it's e- we live in a world a long now story full of size where you come on podcasts and Mike Kaplan comes on and he's like, I am uh, polyamorous and uh, yes, Kaplan. Uh, Kaplan <laughs> is you, one Mike. of the few. Bad Kaplan. There's a couple people that are I know that I can talk to it about. Eric Andre, I can't talk to about. Eric Andre and I have bacon. We have this. I think it's a brotherly relationship, but I mean that and also that he's one of the few people that pushes my buttons to the point that I get ragefully angry. And mm-hmm. there's not a lot of people that can do that. Mm-hmm. He just pushes me to the point where I'm like, I can't be around you. I can't talk to you for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Or I, but we've gotten into stupid fights. When I think about what the fights are, they're so stupid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're so stupid, but it's just because of the way that we got to it. That it's like, just I don't want. Mm, I'm gonna punch you in your face. Yeah. We, we there was a long text string of I'm gonna punch you in the face. Punch I'm gonna me in choke the part. you. Why don't you say that to my face? Oh, I will. Why don't you say that to half of my face? Then we saw each other in Portland across across the street from each other. Like, uh oh. And then we hugged. It was like, okay, we're fine. We're it's like right mafia. There. Yeah, basically. Okay. <laughs> so. Oh yeah, polyamorous. You, you don't I, relate in the way that Eric does. You do it your own way. Yeah, I mean, I, I know that Eric. When you date, I think has a girlfriend. But that's the other thing is that you can be polyamorous and date someone that's monogamous, which is a horrible idea. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. I have learned that I can't take on any more internships, meaning I don't want to get involved with people who aren't already polyamorous or have. have oh, you're a, not going to induct anybody. I can't. It's there's so much energy wasted on explaining it because it's like and I'm trying to write material about this, which is not the easiest. Yeah. yeah. But one of the things I, I, I have written down is. It's an, I have an impossible mountain of culture to convince you the opposite, where it's just kind of like I, I'm asking you to rethink everything. So it's like, hey, you know all those movies, books, poetry, yeah. TV, the Wonder Years, art, culture, yeah. religion, and societies. Yeah. I got 10 minutes yeah. to convince you otherwise. Yeah. It's an impossible thing. Yeah. So you got to have it in your gut. You got to have already. it in your gut. And, I, and I've dated women who are curious about it, which can, can't work. And they're curious about it for different reasons because they because monogamy hasn't worked for them or because they've cheated on everyone <laughs> they've ever been yeah, with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, basically, this this newest incarnation has to do with I, I've been seeing a girl who lives in Sweden for uh, over four years. I think I'm picturing her correctly. You're not. Yeah, really? You're definitely not. Really? Are you thinking of blonde and uh, uh-huh, on no. a bicycle? Nope. I brought you milk. Bicycle, definitely. Um, but not blonde. She's not blonde. She's actually got dark features. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. Exactly. You're cool. racist. Uh, towards the Swedish, so <laughs> it's okay. The, you're racist towards Nor- like the, yeah, like yeah. If it's, like if it's my people, it's okay. 
Um, oh, Swedes with their sweet, sweet ginger with candy. With their sweet, fair skin and yeah, their yeah. blonde hairs and yeah. their shoes made of wood. I saw so them. Blue, you can see your future. <laughs> Just an eight ball, blue, black eight ball. Um, your left eye says ask again later. Exactly. So, <laughs> oh, good God. So, we met in New York, actually, the awkward comedy show taping, mm-hmm. which was me, Eric Hannibal, and Victor Varnado, and Mar- uh, Marina Franklin. Mm-hmm. Um, she. Was a friend of a friend that ca- she came to the thing, and Hello. we we kind of hooked we we hooked up and ended up talking about like relationships and all this stuff. She was in New York for three months. It's funny too because usually when you meet someone that you have this profound connection with, it's like I'm only in town for a limited amount of time. Oh, how long have you been here? I've been here three months. I leave in two days. Son of a yeah. But I I caught her at the beginning oh. of it, so we had three months of like a really cool relationship, which we weren't expecting to continue because she lives in a different country. Right. But then we just kept it going because we saw things so. Similar. Similarly, she lives in a country you can't picture the flag. That's a that's a long distance relationship. I can picture the flag. I can't. I, I mean, I've been there. I've been there enough that I now know what the flag looks like. I'm picturing the flag is just a thing of Mentos. <laughs> it's the fresh maker. Free podcast. It's the fr- it's the flag maker. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mikey from Half Court. Good God. Dunk. Boom. So, and then it's like, and right now I'm seeing a couple different women. That one's here, one's in Texas, and. Uh, but that's the other thing. It's like multiple long-distance relationships. I haven't actually done it where it's like people in the same city. Mm-hmm. That's the harder version, but the more practical version where it's like you know where you're going to be. Mm-hmm. It's easier to – but when you are touring or shooting TV shows in different countries or you're rarely in the same place for one month continuously, mm-hmm. then it's harder to do what I'm trying to do. Even like, polyamorous person people that I know are like, wow, you guys, you're, this must be so difficult the way you're doing this. I feel like a lot of people do that. The difference is a lot of people, like a lot of comedians go on the road and they'll fuck different people in different states. Which I've never, like the road ass phenomenon has yeah. never been my, I get too much in my head about, sure. what if I'm, a, what, she's going to think I'm a creep. It doesn't even matter if I do anything creepy. She might think I'm a creep. Yeah. And now there's blogs this and goes Twitter. Back, this and goes back to. You call the club and I get, never get booked again. Why we're not athletes. Right, exactly. We're, we're not just swinging at the pitch. We're just like, wh- where's this going to go? Like Mulaney and I always say, what are we going to kiss? Fucking beat it. <laughs> uh, because we're overthinking. Yes. When really, like, the fucking Hemingway in us is like, yes, kiss, and then box a man. Cut kiss, because it's only a real man. It's yeah. true. Taste her essence on your mustache the morning after. Then make boar bacon. Make the soul's penis spew forth your spirit and rejuvenate oh, I'm, I'm, now I feel like I'm doing Mike Burns make it spew forth your spirit ha no, not a lot of people doing Mike Burns these days hey there you go double do no ice uh, that's his episode so a lot of people are doing that the difference is I think you <laughs> your girls know about each other I, I can't whereas a lot of them are just assuming there are other people well, because, because you're also, the Beatles I want them in my life yeah that's weird. like I want to know them and to see them and to go visit them and go on trips and try to do stuff like that mm-hmm. so there's like i said You're connecting a, with them more more emotionally because I, I can't really sleep with someone that i don't feel i've never been able to have like random sex random meaningless sex mm-hmm. as long as much as i might idealize it mm-hmm. and be like no strings boom i'm out it's like no i want to connect with you on some level sure like if if i'm having if i want to have sex with you it's because i think you're interesting in some way. Not only do I think you're attractive, but I think you're interesting. Mm-hmm. I think you're funny or smart or just you. Ha- there's something about you that I like. And sex is one thing. Mm-hmm. So it's like if you're interesting, I want to know you in more than one way. Mm-hmm. The end. Also, number two pencil. Uh-oh, number two pencil. I only love you in one way. <laughs> the guy who's trying to make a plea for anal. Hi, I'm Jerry Graphite. <laughs> 
<laughs> Jerry Graff really wants to fuck you. Jerry Graff. What is that from? Jerry. I go to the cross the street to Jerry Graff. I go across the street to Jerry Graff. Yeah, that's a Daniel Day Lewis. No, oh, that sounded like Daniel. He sounded like I was my son and partner. H W. H W. Oh, my friend Bane is here. <laughs> is that the same voice? I drink your line. <laughs> free, 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 free podcast. Free podcast. You didn't have to pay, so don't leave negative comments. Free, free podcast. Free, free, free podcast. Do I get to plug my podcast at all? Yeah, please. Deep shit. Okay, done. Listen to Deep Shit with BV. Deep Shit with Baron Vaughn. Yeah. Yeah, I got I'd like to do it. You want to do my podcast? I feel like we have good rapport. We're similar-ish our our aims and our podcasts. Oh, really? Ish. Let's stay on polyamory. Well, on my podcast you would pick a life theme, mm-hmm. a big life theme that you constantly find yourself thinking about and struggling with. Contradiction. Contradiction. That's I just did um uh, consideration with Ryan mm-hmm. Singer. Okay. Kyle Kanane and I talked about responsibility. Not boxcar hobos. Not boxcar hobos. Uh, my theme is uh, sleeping on rail cars. So basically, your impersonation of Kyle Kanane is uh, uh, basically the story that Bruce Springsteen tells <laughs> before he sings a song. I met this boxcar. <laughs> I met this guy in a boxcar. Kyle Kanane is Bruce Springsteen's inner in between song. In between songs banter. I met this guy cooking beans on an open flame. <laughs> But the fire kept dying, and he ate cold beans. Cold beans, canane! It even rhymed. <laughs> oh, wow. Anyway. Polyamory. Yeah, polyamory. It's a, it's a fascinating subject. I've talked about it a lot. I'm not here, comfortable talking about buddy, it. Buddy, I'm, I'm, I'm right. I'm sure my family. Here's my... Here, my okay. <laughs> Look, I'm Captain Sweet Pete, Petey Pants, and yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you where yes. it's difficult to have emotionless sex. So I'm right there with you. Okay. Here's... So I'm going to now... Ass- Are, is it difficult to have emotions? Is that what you're about to say? Ha, No. <laughs> I'm wondering, I don't know why, I'm trying to be challenging to me and to you because we're in the same camp. Yeah. The idea of why not allow occasionally, and I'm, I'm thinking of, hey, it's Moshe. I'm thinking of different friends of ours. That Well, Moshe, Moshe and I have talked about this at length. Why can't we just go, this girl, and almost like in an empowering way, mm-hmm. I'm a whore, she's a whore, let's whore it up and just allow it to be like riding a skateboard. <gasps> Yeah, or racquetball. Is it because is it because of some sort of a puritanical leaning? Yes. Yeah. It's it's everything we do. Our culture is based on fear and shame. Yep. So it's like everything that we do, uh, c- consumption is based on fear. That's so interesting. It's all based on you not feeling that good about yourself. You're lacking. Like Draper says in in the pilot of Mad Men, he talks about how love does – it's not the pilot. He's like, love doesn't exist. We created it. Exactly. The idea of of a longing. Valentine's Day. Like they created that literally. You can never scratch it. But the thing is, it it, it seeps its way into all aspects of our lives. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because – That's just my light. No, I know. I'm just looking at the time because i got to be somewhere. Where? Uh, Larchmont Village. In about half an hour. You have to be there in half an hour? Yes. All right. Can I make it? Yeah, I mean, we can wrap up whenever you want. Okay. Point is... We'll do a speed round. Okay. Point is... Oh, here we go. Oh, oh watch out. Oh, micro machines. It's like uh, Steve Martin's bed where he's like, you go to Vegas where you're from. He's like, hey... Sammy Davis Jr., personal friend of mine. And you just sit in the ground and go, wow, look at the tits. There must be, do you know the number of tits? Fun trivia. Uh-oh. 57. Oh, yeah. There must be 57 tits up 57 there. 57 tits. 
I like to think there's a tri-titted woman. That's what I do. That's a big thing I do when I'm feeling down in general about me as a comedian. I will listen to the classics. I'll drive around. Mm-hmm. I'll listen to Steve Martin. I'll listen to Woody Allen. I'll listen to Pryor. Mm. I listen to you know Hicks or whoever I love. Yeah. Um, Can I tell you something? What? It's important. What? Somebody gave me uh, uh, Patrick Walsh. Nice little chunk of change. It's an old episode. Gave me Steve Martin the TV sets, and on one of them is a TV special where he does "Let's Get Small." Basically, yeah. Made me like him. Uh, I hate to say this, almost thirty percent less. I, I just I watched a man do so. "Let's Get Small" is him like into it and loving it. This TV special is him having done it twenty thousand times, and you're just was like, it in front of the gigantic audience? It's not a giant audience. Mm. It's at the Troubadour. Henry Winkler is there. Oh. You think it should be great. And believe me, there are parts that I laughed out loud and was really happy. But I was also watching it being like... I'm that's seeing- also why he burnt out on it. Of course. Like, like seeing like, the like, strings. Yeah. Imagine, like, I have a bit, any bit I have with numbers or something that can change, I change it for my own amusement. 57 yeah. tits every time. You know what I mean? Just pick a different odd number. Keep you invested. Yeah, I've done the same thing. And there's like little pieces and bits where I'm like, okay, this can always be something different. Yeah. In the moment, I'll figure it out. Can like, we do penises? Uh-oh, no. No, Again. you don't want to burn it on penises, the podcast. Penises and lollipops. You don't want to sing it. If anybody on the podcast wants to hear it, maybe you should buy my fucking album, bro. <laughs> That's true. I would buy the album just for penises. penises well, I'll lollipops. give you an album. Uh, I'll email it to you. You're, come on, comedians don't pay unless I don't personally know you. So here's the thing. Yes, we're constantly being told by everything around us you're not really that awesome, and if you get something, then maybe you will be. So we're just con- we're constantly being made to feel small about ourselves. The end. So the way that we do relationships in general is wrapped in insecurity, fear, shame, manipulation, and trickery. That's oh, what I believe. God. Okay? And I'm not saying that means that polyamory is better than monogamy. I'm just saying that those things suck no matter how you do them. Mm-hmm. Right? And you I, can't, you and can't I win. think to do polyamory well, there's a, a huge amount of personal work you have to do and self-understanding and self-awareness. That to release yourself of your envy and your jealousies and stuff like that, which are the hardest. It's so funny, though. You know what? You could t- you could repurpose that that spiel, not spiel. You know what I mean? That thing mm-hmm. you just said. Yeah. You could repurpose it as an argument for monogamy. You know, what I, I mean? could. You could be like, get rid of your envy and your jealousy. But it is an argument for and monogamy. Work on yourself as and, well, and be inward, and then give your love that sort of thing. It is, but like to do monogamy well, you have to do the exact same thing. Exactly right. It's just that. Monogamy is the default setting that all of us have been told. You're right. So it's there's more people failing at monogamy. If we grew up in a world where one or the other was just as accepted, like mm-hmm. the president is polyamorous. That's always my example. Right. The president sucks a dick occasionally, but he's not gay. We'd all be like, it's kind of cool to suck a dick every once in a while. <laughs> That's true. We're not gay. It's just to mix it up. That's true, but it's not a so- it's not a social norm. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's weird. It's weird to start over on an island. But I think it's breaking, you know, and I think a lot of because uh, a lot of people in modern uh, the, I've learned this because I didn't know there was a term polyamory, which is a shitty term, by the way. Mike Kaplan made it. I'm getting so tired of it, uh, but it's the only way to describe because it used to be non monogamy, which is horrible because it just like I'm a non something. Yeah, so yeah, why don't yeah, you yeah. just say what you are as, yeah. w- as opposed to what you're not what you're not. Um but, uh, yeah, so uh, that term is not really that long, and a lot of people have discovered polyamory because of science fiction writers. Robert Heinlein, Stranger in a Strange Land. Fucked so many people. <laughs> in his work, they talked about it, right? Well, he, he has, like, alternative structures in his work, because he's writing about what he thinks the future will be like, yeah. which is that there'll be, like, 
relationships or, or it'll be triads and quads where it's like a group of people have decided to commit to the group as opposed to only two people to two people. He yeah. thinks that we'll probably get past that, which we are actually. Yeah. We're, and you know what? The other thing is that with polyamory, I think that, that uh, man's natural state is tribal. Mm-hmm. And polyamory kind of is towards that. Mm-hmm. Even, but even though a lot of people aren't polyamorous, they're doing a kind of a de facto version of tribal living because this is what you hear now because divorce is so fucking common. Mm-hmm. People will be like, oh, yeah, hey, this is my wife. This is my second wife. Mm-hmm. There's my first wife over there with our child mm-hmm. and her son by her second husband who's right there. Mm-hmm. So it's like they're all connected even though they're not romantically involved with each other. It's like, well, now I have kids by that woman. I have kids by this woman. I'm married to this woman. But that's still my son, even though that woman's over there with a new guy, mm-hmm. right? And this is my second wife who has her first husband who's over there with his third wife. Mm-hmm. So there's all this interconnection of everyone's caring for – because like, well, you have children by multiple people even though you're in one uh, marriage unit. Well, this is like the Louis thing. Yeah. Like, like do the right thing, get divorced, and love new people and raise your kids in two happy homes. Exactly. Yeah. But that's what people are moving towards. So you're seeing that a lot more than just like, no, I'm doing it. We're doing it. No yeah. one's involved. Yeah. Interesting. Anyway, we can talk more about this some other time. Well, we are running out of time. Yeah. So, and we always, but that was very interesting. I could make the argument for monogamy, but I, I feel like, who cares? I, I, have I a, just like agreeing with the person I'm with right now. So I'm just like, yeah, polyamory, I, man. I have an argument for, look, monog- there's nothing wrong with monogamy. You don't have to. Monogamy works. It's just, it just don't suck. That's, that's it. Don't uh, be and, a sucky don't, person. Don't be a sucky polygamist and, uh, and don't be a sucky... Polyamorous. Polyamorous. Polygamy is totally different. Right. Mm-mm. Well, don't be a sucky pol- polygamist either. Yeah, well, I think that's kind of the definition of it. Sure. <laughs> if you're religiously oppressing a bunch of people... Did your starting to drink verge, merge right with your starting to fuck multiple people? I've, I've been drinking since college. I just never really do it a lot. Oh, uh, okay. I thought you never drank and then you just started No, I, st- I, I didn't drink until I was actually 21 and I, I, I was moderate. I've always been a moderate drinker. I yeah. never really get drunk. You still drunk. kind of are. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've never seen you drunk. Well, it happens. It yeah. Very rarely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's do it. <laughs> well, so the, we end the show and uh, we'll, you, can, you can gauge the time on this, but uh, we always talk about uh, God at the end. Okay. Um, Jocelyn just did the show. I'm not feeling exceptionally spiritually curious, so I kind of give the reins to you. There's a lot of ways to answer this question. About what, God? What happens when we die? Is yeah. there a God? Uh, bag of meat. What's that? It's your bit. You have a bit about that. Uh, what is it? It's like, uh, nope, you're just a bag of meat, like uh, atheist versus... Oh, have you not done yeah. that again? No, I say we're bags of water and electricity. Bags of water and electricity. We're just bags Pick of, yeah. one of these two. We're bags of water and electricity. We're all going to die. That's right. what I say. Or you can go like everything's everything or whatever. Like I'm, I'm simplifying it. What's funny about that bit is I'm in between those two things. I believe in everything, which right. means I believe in nothing. But I also believe in everything, so which don't I'm, forget that part. I guess I have a similar sort of a thing, yeah. It's a top that never stops spinning. I don't know that I necessarily believe in a god in specific. Hmm. Um, but as, as much as I believe that um, we can't know everything. That's, that's really what I believe, is that we, there's no way to say there's no God and there's no way to say there is a God. So, and I agree with that logic. Which I guess makes me agnostic. And right? a lot of atheists would say uh, they acknowledge the idea that you can't know everything. Uh, somebody, a, a wonderful weirdo wrote this uh, on the comments one time. They were like, it's just like throwing a thousand-sided die into a well. And you can't be sure that it didn't land with the God face up. The one face that says there's a God isn't showing up. And an atheist would say, of course not. I'm just saying the evidence appears to point to no God. And that's fine. But uh, so forgetting the, the there's no way to know sort of thing, mm-hmm. your gut, your instinct, your everyday, 
Are you praying? Are you believing your thoughts affect things? Do you think there's a collective unconscious? Do you think it's interesting that I mentioned King Ralph and you have a bit about it or that Jocelyn was just here yesterday and was talking about acting exercise and then you bring up acting exercise? You're talking about serendipity and connectivity? All that sort of stuff. Is that God? Uh, funerals, community, love, sex. You believe sex is important. Is sex spiritual? I, I, I believe that, yeah, I guess I do believe in the spirituality in some sort of way. I do believe that, that we are connected uh, in in a way that we're we're all beings of energy, mm-hmm. so that there is no difference than us. Well, you said we are all different vibrations, yeah, there you if go. you will. Yes. Oh Jesus, I feel like a, I feel like a hippie, but I you mean, sound- I, I feel like I sound like a hippie. You sound like Bill Hicks. Oh, do I? You sound well, like Bill Hippics. And that's why, I, I, like, like the, the the thought. I always believe thoughts are magnetic. People say that, mm-hmm. and I believe that we attract people that um, reflect to us wherever whatever we think we are at the moment. I I agree with that. You know, like if you think people are shitty, then there's going to be a lot of shitty people in your life. Mm-hmm. If you think people are awesome and giving, then you're going to be surrounded by awesome and giving people. Mm-hmm. You always get back what you put out. I agree. That's kind of what I, yeah. It's really, it's nothing. <laughs> it's funny because I saw Chappelle talking about like these extreme examples we go like, but the child starving in Africa, you can't tell him to picture a T-bone steak. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And I, it's a luxury to be able to talk this way. Yes, it is. You and I are talking about different constructs and different realities. We're kind of talking about a spirituality of our priv- privileged being. You know what I mean? If, if you're in... Well, we have the time to sit here and think about spirituality. Right. The irony, though, is that uh, the most impoverished countries in the world are ranked the happiest. Mm. And those of us that have the most are raked not that happy. Right. We, we, the, mo- the people that have the most get more and more depressed, and the people that have the least get happier. Yeah. It reflects a certain meaninglessness. And I know you've experienced this probably working in television. You start making a little bit more money. And I, I'm not trying to shine a light on your salary or say anything, but you, you start making more than you were before you were doing TV. Right. And then you can get to that point where it doesn't mean as much anymore. Where a check that would make a family of five weep. And, and, and their Christmas is back. Mm-hmm. And fucking Timmy's going to get headgear. And Julie, you can go to horsey camp. And mm-hmm. Brenda, we're getting you fake tits, and I'm going to fuck you with a number two. <laughs> that sort of scenario. Well, uh, you, you get a check like that. And I, again, I don't, I'm not trying to bring up money. I'm just saying things that would get into your heart and make you happier mm-hmm. uh, can't. And my, my theory on that is that the, hardness, the hardening of your heart was to get you where you are. Right. You learn to be less sensitive, mm-hmm. and now you're also less receptive to joy. Well, but I think that that's why certain celebrities have causes. Like, of course. Like, like really famous people, they get so much shit about like standing up for a cause. But it's like, no, they, they have all this money and time. Yeah. And they know that what they say means something to someone. Mm-hmm. So it's like if they can get one person – to care about this thing that they think is important and they feel like they've done their job. Yes. And they're literally putting their money where their mouths are. Yep. Like they're go- like it's like people are like oh Sean Penn is such a fucking dick. It's like no, that dude is literally getting on his hands and knees and building right. fucking houses right. in third world countries. And it's like right. and then and then people that's what they're doing. Yep. They're they're trying to dedicate themselves to a cause because they're so aware of their privilege and money. That why not donate of themselves yeah. and what they have to the rest why of the world? Why not yield to the idea that they're a commodity and be like, you want me to endorse Coca-Cola, I'm going to endorse the snow tiger. Like yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio. Why not? I'm with that, man. I'm satisfied. You feel good? High five. Gotham is ours. <laughs> but first we... Oh, shit. Oh, fuck. What was I going to say? Oh, maybe- Larry. <laughs> Line.
Maybe if I put my hands here, like kind of hold on to myself like a jacket. Where's that speech writer we hired? The one that used to work for Bob Dole. Fuck that movie with a number two pencil every day. Uh, we end the episode with the guest saying, keep it crispy. It means nothing. <laughs> do I say it means nothing as well? No, you, you just, you, you know, you can do it. There's no wrong way to eat a Reese's, my friend. Keep it crisp. <laughs> I feel like people are going to feel like I encouraged that laugh because I was like, I'm not going to laugh at the Keep It Crispy today. And then you did. We've been looking at each other a good amount during the interview, but you really kind of slowly peeled up a glance in my way. And like a New Orleans sweaty prostitute who also freestyles. Excuse me, is that crispy? <laughs> then you should keep it. <laughs> That's a funny idea that there's a guy whose nickname is Crispy, and it's like, oh, there's $5 change. You keep it, Crispy. Isn't he a governor, Chris Crispy? Coco Crisp is a baseball player. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, Baron, remain crispy. Thank you for doing the show. Of course. Goodbye. G- goodbye. I was just trying to stop talking. Now leaving Nerdist.com.